A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm going to be really naughty and spring this one on Phil. We've had a request that you do an intro because you've never done one. Go on, Phil. Take it away. <laughs> Get him. Hello and welcome to this, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby that doesn't take JB or, or the game too seriously. Beautiful. Yes, Phil. Outstanding effort. <laughs> Thanks for that, Tim. That's all right, mate. Yeah, I saw that email too, and I'm glad that I never told him about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, it's been done, you've broken your duck. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, uh, as Phil said, this is Egg Chasers, and, uh, and JB's over there. Hello. Uh, resplendent in his Didsbury Tock H kit, sat across his chaise long like one of Leonardo DiCaprio's French girls in <laughs> Titanic. Hey, and I'll be wearing my Tock H kit a lot more in the coming weeks because... Well, we might be coming back to rugby soon. Yes, Ooh. that will be one of the things we'll be talking about today as well as Premiership Rugby, as well as um, looking ahead to the Six Nations. What else is on our agenda today? Just to let's have a look. Oh, yeah, we've got um, Super Rugby, Lions Update, uh, and some issues concerning women's rugby as well. However, there is only one place to start. After that is, I've just reminded you that we are on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast, he's at JB Moore, I'm at Cocker. Uh, we are on Patreon, and thank you very much to the people supporting our work, patreon.com slash eggchasers. And if you haven't seen the video of us um, trying not to look drunk for the World Rugby Cameras, the video is up there for you to check out. And more recently, you may have noticed, if you checked it out, we are starting to populate YouTube with some actual videos rather yeah. than just having a dormant account. So if, if, if you don't subscribe, well, in fact, you don't subscribe because you know, because we haven't been doing anything. We don't have the numbers there, but we will soon. So please go and hit subscribe on YouTube when JB and myself, and hopefully Phil, if he ever feels like chipping in, mm. uh, have some thoughts through the week uh, on our own, separate from the actual podcast. We'll just uh, pop them up there and look for your comments and thoughts. So um, we are Egg Chasers on YouTube. Go and hit subscribe right now. I am stunned. I am absolutely shocked. Yeah, well, you've just been looking at something. What are you stunned about? The London Irish Leicester score. I looked at the London Irish score and I did a video straight after Cell Sharks' victory. And I said, London Irish got an absolute pasting by Leicester. Uh, but then I only got as far as 78 minutes. What happened up to 79 <laughs> minutes? Well, we, we can talk about that, that. But there's only one place to start on this podcast. And that is, that is in the Menai. Where? Right down there in, in the southwest, in Cornwall. A famous, iconic victory for Cornish Pirates oh, in well the opening it. round of the Green King IPA Championship uh, in its shortened format. The mighty Saracens, once European champions, humbled 
at the Menai. What a result. What's the Menai? Is that the name of their, their ground? Uh, yeah, I think so. How's it spelled? M-E-N-N-A-Y-E. Yeah. It's, like the, it's the Menai Straits is a bit of water. Is well, there. that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's The Menai Straits is a bit of water in Anglesey, but I'm not sure it's not spelled like that. Isn't it called the Menai Field or something like that? I've got no idea. In, in Penzance. Oh, hang on a minute. There is some kind of link, isn't there, between... There is a Cornish language or a, something like that. There's some sort of... Bre- oh, hang on. Is it not bre- some sort of Breton language? Men- Menai Field. M-E-N-N-A-Y-E. Field. Wow. So... And Welsh, it's all linked. So uh, the Breton language in France, I'm sure Cornish is some version of that. Oh, yeah. Cornish and Welsh have strong links, language. And Cornwall's got more uh, tendencies towards independence from the rest of the UK than Scotland at the moment. (laughs) Corrects it. Um, Although, I tell you, what a result. I mean, there's a a lot to love about this. And it isn't just people crowing because it's Saracens. Let's just remember how much we loved Japan beating South Africa. This has that kind of a feel to it's it. It's legitimate, isn't it? It's the it, legitimate joy. It's. Uh, I mean, I've not seen any of the highlights. Have you seen any? I saw a bit of the rugby. Did you? Did you watch it live? Or? Uh, well, I just got sent stuff from from uh, from someone who was watching it. They just sent me little video clips on uh, on WhatsApp, which is because I was watching different games, so I didn't pay for the stream. But... Yeah. I mean, in terms of an investment of time, Watching the championship is not one of those things which you want to do. I loved it. Well, well I used to do it loads when my brother played in the championship. It's oh yeah, so yeah. Good. When yeah, your brother it. played, uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know if you're into it, you're into it. Yeah. But it's like one of those one of the million events where you just happen to be watching at that time, and then it all becomes worth it. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a proper result though, as in this is a proper Saracens team. Yeah. It's it's not it's not a. Saracen's third team. Obviously, there's a few England boys missing, but there are still international stars right across the team. A World Cup winner in the front row, yep. a lion on the wing, and yep. three Scotland internationals, current Scotland internationals, and 165 caps across the 15. Duncan Taylor played, right? Yeah. Yeah, Duncan Taylor. Sacino uh, was the centre partnership. Lewington on one wing, Maitland on the other, Manu Vanapola. Ala Davis, Welsh international players, Barrington, obviously not an international, but has played at the high, won yeah. things at the highest level of the game. Vincent Cock, Hunter Hill, and Swinners, your boy JB. Yes, what a lad. Uh, Michael Rhodes, who's been—I don't know if he ever got capped by England, but certainly he's been in and around Ooh, the England question. squad. Um, Jackson Ray, who's obviously again played at the highest level, won things at the highest level. It's yeah. a legit Saracens team. Yeah, uh, I would like to add up the medals there. They, um, they they weren't just beaten. They up front they were absolutely hammered. Well, that's that's most of the content that I got sent was the, <laughs> was little clips of the Cornish Pirates scrum battering them like World wow. Cup, World Cup winning prop got absolutely well, they say, munched. They do say that about the championship there. It's a yep. hard place it's, to go do yep. scrummaging. Yeah, no, you've, you've actually played in the championship or yes. the equivalent. I yeah, yeah, to. to, to, to to yeah. as it was before the year before it got rebranded. They are some big men. They might not have the engines of uh, the Premiership teams, but they are they are big. Well, if anything, they're, they're actually in some respects even bigger even because bigger, they, yeah. they don't have the same level of conditioning, but they have the size. Um, yeah. and that's obviously something that Saracens found out. But evidently, this Cornish Pirates team do have the conditioning because they've not played a game for a year. 
Saracens have just been on. They've played. Uh, they, they had one warm up game last week, last week against Jersey. That's all they've played in the last 12 so months. So do you just think that Saracens maybe have not got the. Uh, what I'd call bedsit conditioning quite right? Because <laughs> obviously Argentina know how to do bedsit conditioning. Yeah. We've seen that Cornish, Cornish Pirates, Pirates do. Well, uh, Saracens have had. They've played uh, a game. They've, they've played games. They've played a mini tournament, haven't they? So my contention was England lost. And one of the reasons that they lost against Wales was because the Saracens guys just weren't conditioned. Might be stupid, might not be. I'm just drawing correlation and causation. It strikes me from this result that maybe they just don't know how to do conditioning in their own flats. Well, do you know what I think? I think any team in the championship on its day could cause an upset because I I think it's just a reminder this is a legit competition with outstanding players. And again, as I say, my brother was like... uh, one of the one of the best in the championship. Wait, well, he was in the dream team three years, so he was. Let's say he's he was, one of those guys who they were never quite sure is he is, is he Premiership, but he's definitely too too good for championship. Yeah. So he was he not was, too good, but was, very good. Yeah, he was like best in his position in the championship. He just uh, and then when someone took a chance on him in the Premiership and said, "Come on, then," he was like, "He, I, he got player of the year. I, he got player of the year in his first year for London Irish." Can I just mm. clear, clear something up here? Your brother's Nick Rouse, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So don't go looking for Cocker in the championship. Yeah. Like no, Nick that's Cocker. the whole thing about me on radio. He, like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I've, I've actually had people ask me this week, who is Tim's brother? Because oh, right. I've been searching for Cocker. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's, people I, have been looking. Yeah, it's, R- Rouse doesn't work on the radio, so I use my wife's name know, for radio. Um, Ra- radio Rouse? No, it's weird. <laughs> it's, 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 Rousey? I've got one of those names. Yeah, Rousey, that was, that was what I was called growing up. So I've got one of those names where... When people see it written down on a bit of paper, they can't pronounce it. Rouse's rants? They say ruse. (laughs) Rose. And then when I say it on the phone to someone, so they send me something, oh, yeah, can you send me whatever, I get letters addressed to Ralph. uh, Ruse. Well, well, Largan never, ever gets spelt right. Yeah. I I never get any... Unless I've put it in myself, no one ever ever spells it correctly. In the Rugby Dungeon, we've got a little framed picture of uh, of when we were were voted by the Times as one of the top 30 podcasts in the world. When did they do that again? And and our little (laughs) write-up, our little write-up said... uh, Well, I gave them the details and I gave them your name wrong. (laughs) Phil Largan. So, yeah. yeah... Don't worry, I, I get uh, mistaken for JB who went on X Factor or something. Oh, yeah, in our Apple. Oh, that's Google. No, is it Google? Google Podcasts has the hosts as me, Phil... J, J, JB from, um, what's the what's the boy band? Is it, is, uh, I wanted to say One Direction. No, it's not them. It's JLS. JLS. And you are Phil Vickery. W- oh, but yeah. which, which Phil Vickery am I? The chef? The chef, or, I imagine. Am I the chef? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or the former tight head no prop. Idea. Anyway, well, the point I was trying to make is championships are legit competition, and yeah. the, the I, I think Austin Healy on, on on rugby tonight today put it perfectly when he said the disparity between wages between Premiership and Championship is huge, but the the chasm between the quality of players between the two is minuscule in mm, a lot of cases. I and there's an overlap. Don't in, in, know. Well, I think we've just demonstrated it. You've demonstrated it once, okay, but. If yes. you look at the body of evidence from years and years and years of ex-premiership teams going down and then coming back up, you would struggle to make no, that case. With the exception no, of London Welsh coming back up. Well, I mean, so Bristol, the, Bristol took ages to come back up. Yeah, but, but, uh, but, Leeds never yeah. came back up. Yeah. But also, that's whole teams and organisations with very different funding models. My point being, the players, 
the players. Yeah, maybe. If you get yeah. some players and you treat them well. You have absolutely them in. awesome. And going back to stuff points I've made before, just look after this second tier because the reason that some of these players can go... Like, like Richard Barrington's a great example. Jersey, Harry Williams and Richard Barrington, two props. Mm. Jersey, two European champions. Mm. And the reason is because they had the chance to be you know, well, conditioned and coached by quality people. Here's something which we might want to think about. And it's not a good thing, by the way. I'm not saying this is good. It's not good. But the championship are having to start playing a lot more players who would be in premiership organisations out on loan. Sale have got bloody loads of lads out on loan now. Three of them started for Nottingham, I think, this weekend. A couple more started up at uh, or involved with Doncaster. I think this is going to be repeated over, over over and over the country. And one of the reasons is, I, I suspect, is if you don't have the money to pay the salary and wages of your players to keep them contracted full-time, you have to get them from somewhere else. And if you can get a free player from Sale or mm. Wasps or yeah. somewhere, you're going to do it. So I wonder if they'll accidentally unlock a lot of talent which has been hidden away by clubs. Yeah, I imagine. So, Joel, I mean, dual registered thing has been a thing for quite a while. Yeah. Um but it, it will be pushed in that direction now because be. there's no A League. Yeah, and as the well. reason, well, the reason they don't like doing it is because you can't build a team around. So, like for instance, Macclesfield used to have Sam, Sam James playing, which is great. You'd have thought, except for if Sam James is needed for yeah, sale, you, you get him terrible. for two games and then he disappears for five games and he comes back for one. And yeah, then he disappears again. The times it's good is when you get that consistency with them. Um, yeah. and the best example of that is Tom Young's transitioning from centre to hooker with two seasons at Nottingham. Um, yeah. where he was able to make the mistakes that he made and he went on mm. to be a British and Irish Lion. Uh, so the championship format is 10 games, five home, five away, uh, one pull. The top two at the end of the, at the end of that 10-game season, round robin, will play off home and away. So Saracens, I still think, will be big favourites to be in the, that top two. Yes, but, I'd say but so. The, but they can't afford many more slip-ups. Well, yeah. technically none. Mm, potentially none yeah it depends if they beat Ealing or not Ealing, they've Ealing played and, Ealing twice and lost twice yeah and Ealing and Pirates have got to play each other as well all that Ealing needs to do is win every game with a bonus point they're guaranteed to be in uh, as they, the Pirates. they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs playoff yeah so if Ealing, if Ealing and Pirates win every other game <laughs> true well, they play each other they play each other yeah they? ah so Ealing can't beat they can't both they can't beat, both yeah. get um, every one as a bonus point win and it's a good, it's a tough, there's lots of tough places to go. Going away to Jersey is really tough. Yeah. And do you know what I quite enjoyed? There was a headline somewhere which I read that the Saracens star contingent will play four games or something to get them ready. Sounds like they might need to play a few more than four games. <laughs> Sounds like that might be a little bit arrogant. Saracens are quite lucky because their bye week is the last round of the Six Nations. So the, uh... the, the, they will get their guys back for. I they, think eight, yeah. eight out of the ten games. Now, I thought about this as when I heard the result. I thought, bloody hell, this is a disaster for everyone except for the championship team. Which, Well, actually, it might even be a disaster for the championship, championship team that accidentally goes up if they're not healing. I mean, you want to be careful not to be the dog that catches the car. Um, but if Saracens don't go up, it doesn't really change much of the picture for them. Because, well, if they didn't go up under the old rules... It's the same as not going up in the new rules. The promotion, it's the relegation from the Premiership that's changed, not the promotion from the Championship. Make sense? So yes. they're not. Lo- what I'm saying is they're not locked out. But where it really throws things off is the shareholders of the Premiership, the 13 teams, have to be in agreement to scrap relegation. 
But if the 13 teams are still split because Saracens <laughs> if, couldn't get yeah. back up... If one of the shareholders is not in the league, yeah. you're not going to scrap relegation or, or promotion by exactly. that logic. Yeah. So um, you, know, imagine, you can imagine five weeks before the uh, season is up and Saracens may, may not be looking too rosy. They will be. Let's just, but let's just imagine that they don't. All the Premiership teams pull all their loans. Phil, can you, <laughs> can you look up when Ealing play Pirates? Because I, yeah. I'd, I'd love it if like the the championship conspired <laughs> at this point. Well done, Pirates! You got the win, right? We'll we'll just roll over now. Go yes. on, we'll, we'll let you have the points. They'll sort of work, game the system so that to keep Saracens out the top two, just to protect the promotion relegation. Oh, I mean, that would be um, be remarkable, particularly <laughs> you know, if Saracens, which uh, yeah, we you know our, our views on Saracens. Go back and listen if you don't. But, you know, if allegedly Saracens had gamed the Premiership system for so long to have the Championship system gamed <laughs> against them, would be a horrible, horrible thing to happen. It's going to be tough for Pirates to win all their games. That's all I'm saying. So I still think Saracens, well, the, the, this will have given them a rocket. And Tell you what, the effort in training will, will go up significantly at Pirates now. They'll all be bouncing when they show up mm. for, uh, what, Tuesday nights? Here we go, 10th of April. one 1.30 kickoff on the 10th of April at uh, Manai Fields. Ooh. Delicious. Wow. Yeah. Pi- Pirates have to go away to Jersey next week. 10th of April, my, my birthday weekend. <gasps> Lovely. Your real birthday or your Queen's fake birthday? Uh, not my rugby birthday. My Your real. My your real actual birthday. birthday. My, my actual birthday. Um, just one other thing from this game, which is a bit of a nerdy um, construction engineering thing. Oh, yeah. But I'll mention it because we were talking last names before. Did you did you notice uh, the reserve scrum half for Cornish Pirates' name? Is it O'Rourke? Not O'Rourke. Lang. Not Lang. <laughs> uh, a more famous... Well, it might be... Uh, Brunel. McAlpine. Uh, it's, it's of that, it's oh, of right, that okay. kind. Uh, Stevenson. No. Uh, it, might not, it might not be in your kind of consciousness. Wren? No. Should I tell you what he's most famous for? Yes. The uh, 19th century uh, London sewer system, which eradicated cholera within London. No idea. It's Basil Jet. Oh, wow, that's an amazing name. It's, a, it's an amazing, an incredibly unusual name. Isn't in, it? I, I, I can only ever recall hearing of, I think it was Joseph Basil Jet, who uh, is the 19th century engineer, uh, and this chap, Mr. Basil Jet. That uh, is res- an reserve back for uh, Cornish Pirates. And that is a incredible spot, Phil. You should be very <laughs> proud of that. One. Well played. Well played. Uh, right, so uh, we're going to get into the Premiership stuff in in just a minute, but let's let's quickly touch on the return to play protocol because this affects people up and down the land at all different levels. And since we've started in the Championship, let's actually go lower into the amateur game before we go right back up to the top with the Premiership. Mm. So uh, the RFU have published um, on Friday, was it, or Thursday, they published their return to play protocol, the, the, the degraded process back to full games, which they've partly aligned with government opening things up and partly just seem to have sort of taken it upon themselves to yeah. extend that. <laughs> yeah. How do you make sense of it, JB? I, well, I don't know if it does make sense. The RFU are tripping over themselves to be as... I'm, I'm not going to say... got to pick my words carefully here. To be as correct in the public mind as they possibly can be. And this just strikes me as nonsense. If we are able to play... We are able to play. And it's not the RFU's job to tell us how many weeks we need to lead up into into contact. That is for your coach and for you to decide individually. Yeah, so just go back to this. So it's going to start without scrums and malls, 
Yep, get that. And then they will be integrated. Is that because of the COVID thing? Must be. Must be. Because it's, I would not, just, it's must not really. Be. I would assume so. Okay. And yeah. that's fine, right? So if the guidance is all based on not even science, just whatever they need to do to uh, placate some civil servant in the ministry, ministry of Culture and whatever it is, you know, say what you need to say, boys. Just, say, yeah, we won't do that, we won't do that, and we'll all just get on with it and do what we want anyway. But where I draw the line is, it doesn't seem to be that. It seems to be they are, A, extending this out unnecessarily, and it doesn't represent what really happens in, in rugby clubs or the reality of playing the sport at a low level. Um, and B, they've kind of given every critic of rugby as much ammunition as they need to say, yeah, the game is dangerous and you need to prepare for it. If you don't prepare for it, well, you can't, you can't, pe- you can't play so it. So this is what I mean. This is what I couldn't get my head around. Is it COVID reasons that they're staggering this out or is it danger of the game reasons yeah it sounds like i, I couldn't I'm, quite work that out i'm not sure it's that clear i i would i'd like to think it's the former as in it's it's covid reasons therefore you can't have um scrums within the um when we are still in a uh, yeah. partial lockdown mm. period yeah which um, makes sense Look, that, that's want, fine. which it, yeah it kind of makes sense and, and to your point jb i'm kind of like um when I watch uh, the games in Scotland and I watch the man of the match receiving his man of the match award and doing an interview with a mask on, I kind of think it's nonsense. But if it's allowed me to watch international rugby, yeah. I will accept it. I'll pick it. my battle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm not I'm not going to complain. I'll just kind of shrug my Sw- shoulders and swallow it, shrug yeah, and, and carry on. And so I kind of think like that. The bit, and I know this has been interpreted as such, but the bit that would be a bit strange is... Uh, government or RFU or governing body um, intervention to stop players from uh, kind of getting them help, getting ahead of themselves as in, no, you've got to have an extended period of training before you play because that feels like overreach. A complete overreach. It's uh, none of their damn business. If I'm a consenting adult and I want to play contact yeah. tomorrow, it feels hung, like, over, yeah, it, hung over with no training in yeah. months. Yeah, that's, and, the, that's the thing that it, that it struck me. is like I, I couldn't quite work out. I, I'm hoping it's all COVID-related and then we can argue. We can argue the toss over anyway, but yeah, it, yeah. Do, it does yeah. feel like it's, well, you need to be really careful stepping back into rugby. You haven't done it for a year, so be careful. <laughs> that's <laughs> not the message from the it's bloody like, central... Yeah, yeah. And... and, and Maybe like the Premiership rugby had nine weeks of training before they played because that that was yeah that I was get a, that yeah I, I yeah. get that and that was agreed by like some of the DORs from what I read they were some some were saying five weeks will be fine some were saying twelve weeks and they kind of agreed across the board that I mean if all if eleven out of twelve are saying we need want five weeks and one is saying twelve weeks then you are going to have to slow it down a little there bit are unfortunately people, right who play for Talk H in the third team and I do not know their names I would not know. I would not know them if I bumped into them on on the street. Not because I don't care about the third team, but because they don't show up for training. <laughs> I never see them. They come uh, last minute because the captain has rang around 600 different names <laughs> and they've found 15 blokes who've got a pass from their wives. And they show up. They show up desperate to get away from get away from their home life for a measly 80 minutes. I don't know who they are, but they've not done the RFU... Set of 20 minutes, make sure you're conditioned. It would be like on 12th of April when gyms open up again, it would be like going to a pure gym and signing up and them saying two months before uh-uh. you're allowed to use the weights. Yeah. You have yeah, to do yeah. body weight exercises only. Yeah. Who's yeah. going to enforce it? I mean, it's, it's like, just... no, sign here, read that, know the risks, sign there, off you go. Have yeah, fun. Exactly. Enjoy yourself. How are they going to... Uh, yeah. It's just smacks isn't it, of them trying to be... Correct in the eyes, of, correct in the eyes of society, and not actually 
representing what happens in rugby clubs. So when can I come and watch a Tok H game? Officially or unofficially? Uh, well, missed, e- either. I tell you what, you missed a great one on the 19th of December last year. <laughs> so 2019, you mean? So, yeah. e- East- no, no, 2020. <laughs> we were one of the few clubs in the country to play that. Oh, year. did you actually? Because ah, there we was got, this brief window yeah. in between lockdown yeah. two and lockdown three. Yeah, one. We had one. This this is the measure of oh, how you, you great couldn't get other clubs to play, could you? There was loads of them. Uh, only only Stockport bless them. We're like, right, we're on. And tell you what, all these other clubs that were. A little bit precious about not having enough training time before they run into the buzzsaw of Didsbury Talk H. Um, well, they missed out, didn't they? You don't get don't get that time again. Fair play to Stockport. Stepped yeah. up. Uh, so, so Easter weekend is when training recommences. Clubhouses can have people go there to to do training. In so that's the 29th of March. 29th, from, uh, 29th from, of uh, 29th of March. Yeah. Yeah. So last weekend in March, and then I think it's. Well, certainly, I only know this from mini rugby because, so I don't know if it's the same. But I think the beginning of May, the month of April, is preparation to return. And I think the month of May, it's games oh. restart without scrums and malls. We need yeah. To- so it, the RFU is in twenty from the twenty sixth of April. Yeah, and that those two are the twenty ninth of March and the twenty sixth of April are hard dates. Everything after that is it's you only move to the next stage, providing. Uh, England or the UK does where well, the, the wider government advice yeah. allows you to reach the next stage so, anyway well, there's light at the end of the tunnel that, that is a positive yeah. at least yes. just going training will, will be a massive positive for me yeah. yeah just being able to throw a ball around and... I know lights are getting uh, nights are getting lighter as yeah, well it'll be cool it'll be very very cool uh, I was going to say something we have been asked to I say asked we haven't been asked at all but we, we, we're going to open a rugby club uh, we're going to open who uh? who <laughs> oh no sorry we as in the three of us all three of us yeah okay I mean I, we haven't been officially asked but I'm sure we will um, Aylesbury are building a building a balcony for their rugby club which sounds very much to me like a rooftop bar <laughs> a rooftop bar oh now you're talking <laughs> can, can you uh, confirm or de- deny whether a certain Italian cocktail made well, of three specific um, ingredients might be on the menu I'd be amazed if it wasn't I'd be, just be <laughs> astonished if if a rugby club would have us uh, like, I'd, I'd love to come and be we'll, 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 we'll come down to a game we'll and I, I'll, leave, I'll be I'll be like match announcer for a day as well I'd love to do that that'd be ace <laughs> So uh, yeah, if you if you've got anything above ground floor that needs opening, yeah, we'll we'll do that. My my geography teacher at school used to do it on a so I used to play at Newbury Rugby Club on a Sunday, but on the on the Saturday I'd sometimes go along and watch a first team game. Quite often go along and watch a first team game, and my geography teacher would be the the MC up on the balcony at the clubhouse and uh, just getting absolutely hammered and <laughs> just going, "Come on, you blues!" <laughs> loving That's it. That's all he did all day. Absolutely loving it. Yeah, good times. Mm. So the Premiership happened. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic week of of, pre- of Premiership rugby in terms of the watchability of the games. Yeah, and do you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this a lot today. I feel Austin Healy on the money, but that's normal for us. Yeah, he's always on the money. He's normally. But the one thing he said today, which I went, he's absolutely right. He said the reason that he thinks the rugby's so good in the Premiership lately is the refereeing. Yeah, that, so that. I, Explain that. They are they're being really hot on offsides. Things like Luke, you saw it with Luke Pierce today, the Northampton Queens game, not letting the back lines encroach from lineouts. Okay. So you get a full twenty meters of space for people to attack into. The offside lines they're marshalling a lot more. Uh, they're speeding the game up where they can. I'd still like that to be done a bit more. But there's efforts being made, tangible efforts 
to to try and make the game flow much more and I think we're seeing the benefits of that and then the other one the other one I'd mention as well which is it's been a bugbear of mine for a while I still don't think it's perfect but I think they're doing a good job is the rook and giving clear instruction to the defending jackler when they are not legal so saying no no six hands off hands off yes leave it six that that kind of thing which there's there's an interesting debate and I know JP Doyle has mentioned this in the past about how much you should kind of coach players yeah. and how much you should allow them to make their own mistakes but if it allows a more free-flowing game and better rugby and on a weekend where generally the weather was a bit better um, we saw a bit more ball going wide I'm kind of for that if, if yeah. it prevents stoppages uh, again I've said it many times I'll say it again the premiership referees are all the best they are simply the best I'm not saying they're more naturally talented than, than anyone else but this but the way they're handled, the way they prepare for the games, the way they review them is a far, far better system than, say, Pro 14 or even Top top 14. Well, the Top 14, look at the best referees that come out of the Top 14 and how they referee on the bigger stage. Mm. It's a bit of a lottery <laughs> in some instances. And I wonder, and I'm not excusing it because it's in the players' control and they need to be better at it, but I wonder if it's had any sort of contributing factor with England being unable to react because the players are so used to... Having these referees, maybe. I mean, I do kind of think it's a it's a nice excuse. Yeah, they they should still be they should be able <laughs> totally. to think critically about what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's that's yeah, that's it, the big frustration. If they are reacting, I mean, it's a weird one with England because I'm thinking about it now, and the mistakes that they make are their mistakes. And I'd understand the mistakes if they were mistakes in relation to other players and infringements and what i mean by that is so imagine you've got a ruck and someone's got their hands all, all over that ruck and then therefore you clear out from the side because or you have feel you have to dive off your feet because the referee's not yeah because he's not yeah he's not allowing that or yeah. maybe you've got a holding on penalty uh against you i, I could understand those penalties going england's way but i'm thinking about the maratoji ones now i think nah, no no and, and there's there's two frustrations for me of the england games recent games actually not just in the Six Nations back to autumn and it's the stupid ones like the Marrow the Johnny Hill Tom Curry coming in from the side and off his feet those kind of ones but then there's also the failure like a team failure to recognise multiple mistakes and compounding errors by making multiple multiple Mm. mistakes and not like in in the Wales game ignoring the two tries but Wales adapted far better to um, how Pascal Gauzer was um, officiating the rook and the contact area, Wales adapted to it. England didn't, yeah. so it's those stupid mistakes and it's the inability to adapt. And I don't know; uh, it feels like too neat a solution to, to just say, "Oh, they're used to such a high standard of refereeing in their day to day that um, yeah, they, they're, they're not um, they're not um, used to it on the biggest stage." That's fair. Mm, I agree with that. Some class games though this weekend. Yeah, some, uh, some good. Even I mean, even though. Uh, there is no relegation, so none of these games matter other than games right at the top for the the top four places. Still, some great great games, yeah. and you can see when like you can see the Worcester game, Worcester versus Bristol, how it hurt Worcester to lose that. It meant a lot to Bristol to win that. Similarly, with the the Gloucester result, for Gloucester to go to Wasps and win in the manner that they won with without Ollie Thorley for more than half the game. And you saw how much that meant to that Gloucester team after the game. Like it still, ma- I know it doesn't matter for um, the league position, but it still matters to the players. Yeah, you can tell that. And can I just say, just one general point, 
And I only found out today because he, he replied to a tweet and um, and let me know. But Christian Day came up with the idea, who's a player's rep for the mm-hmm. RPA. Mm-hmm. He came up with the idea of injured or non-playing players assisting on COCOMs on the red button games on BT Sport. And I, I love the fact that BT Sport are doing all this, putting all, every single premiership game on the red button. And what that usually means is, like in the case of the Bath Exeter game, I recorded that one, watched Wasps v Gloucester, and then just rolled straight into watching on delay without knowing the result, the, the, Bath, the Bath Exeter game. And um, and I've got to say, Mark Atkinson was sausage legs was absolutely brilliant on Cocoms, <laughs> and so was Niall Annett on the on the Worcester game, which I watched after. So it's like three Premiership games all in oh. a row I got to watch. And like Jake six, Cooper Woolley six hours I, on I, the sale I, game. I didn't watch that one, but I heard Jake Cooper Woolley was very very good as well. So yeah. what a brilliant idea! And it just again and you know I, I I tweeted exactly this. It just showcases how lucky we are as a sport to have these individuals uh, and involved also, um, and the more we can push them front and center because they are just like they're like regular guys funny interesting really knowledgeable and uh, and not many sports could have such articulate people being able to just pick up a microphone for the first time and add so much to a game yeah, so I, fair play i didn't know t- i didn't listen to mark's commentary but i've interviewed him loads of times i talk to him relatively frequently about rugby and he is uh, you know, he he knows you know, he knows his stuff, and not only mm-hmm. does he know his stuff, he can communicate it brilliantly. Yeah. Whether it just be a conversation or you know, when when we did rugby dungeon together, I didn't even tell him we it was we didn't even in, in, introduce it. We just started talk, talking about box kicks. He loves rugby. Um, I watched Annette um, Annette Niall Annette. Yeah, uh, is I say his name Annette Niall Annette Niall Annette Annette. Um, and he's really, really good. Like mm. he was uh, calm, collected. He he used a lot of words, and the commentator kept on telling him to simplify it. So like he'd say north south instead of or, no going east west or north south. Or I was like, no, don't let him simplify. Don't, I don't <laughs> want him simplifying it. You don't watch yet. Don't watch the NFL. I think, oh, I don't know that term. It needs to be simplified. You go away and you Google it and you find out and you become a more knowledgeable NFL watcher. And, and if you're watching on the red button, chances are you know a bit about rugby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm re- red buttoning Worcester. I, I, I want to know. I, I, I want to know about this stuff. I want them to call it the... the just hit the Nors button. That's yeah. what they should call it. Let's, let's embrace it. It's only, in, interestingly, it. for those guys, this isn't their first time trying to spread the game to other people. Nile and that does wind your neck in pod. Yep. And... Uh, Mark, Sausage legs and who was the other guy? Mark, oh, uh, Ed Slater. Oh, Ed Slater as well and as Mark Atkinson do the Gloucester one. The Gloucester I, one, I, which, which I can't has, remember. Uh, is it Podding Shed? Uh, yes, I think that's right. Yeah, with mm. with um, Sam Roberts. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So it's it's not their first foot, foot foray into it, and you don't get that in many 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 other sports. You really well, don't. Could you imagine? Um, any Premier League footballers been I asked to well, do there, the there are some and, and this is something because I know um, post-match interviews are, are, have been a big topic of conversation and it's something obviously that I'm involved in with rugby I have to say I've watched a few of football lately and thought that's really good who was the last guy he's amazing yeah James Madison, James Madison. he's yeah, awesome he's he is, ama- he he is, is amazing like, he tells you everything you need to know and he's informative and he's funny and he's, just, he's good but I, I and I'm not saying one's right or wrong, or you know, or there isn't a time to you know put the foot put your foot on someone's neck and make him put him in a really tight spot. I do that myself, as you should. But it's just something I have noticed: there seems to be a, quite a lot more trust at the minute between bearing in mind how much they're paid and the risks involved in them putting a foot wrong as a Premiership footballer. 
it seems like there's a very relaxed atmosphere between the interviewer and the footballer at the minute. Yeah, you don't need to be Jeremy Paxman all the time. I, th- I think it's. I think you've got to get the right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a few bad. I won't, won't mention. I've seen a few bad ones. I don't watch that much football, but um, yeah, if you get the right guys, totally agree. If you mm. get the wrong ones, yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, just because they were competitive, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that we think that this is this current situation with lack of relegation is okay. It's not competitive because. It's a it's proof that no relegation starts a competitive league. It's because so many teams have still got a chance. Uh, currently, the team which is second from bottom has three wins. London Irish, who are fifth, have four wins. So the reason it's competitive is because it's still relatively near the start of the season. And bar yeah, maybe we've just we've just gone over halfway in the season. Everyone has something has something to play for. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah um, that's fair. That- so I went to a game. You did. Let's Friday not start night. with sale again. We started with sale Why? last week. <laughs> That's how it is in the weekend. No, no, no. We don't have to go chronological. I think the biggest game of the weekend well, is where we should start. want to start with ba- like... Bath v Exeter. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, it couldn't be. It was so, such a predictable performance by Bath that I had my betting money ready to go. I had my tenner. I knew Exeter were going to win. I just didn't know exactly how much... Uh, Bath were going to put them in a hole before they before they won. I thought around thirteen points on the nose, thirteen points. <laughs> uh, and you know, did you bet? Yeah. Oh, right. did, well, well did, did you bet that Bath were going to get to thirteen points, or no, did when you they got wait those... and bet and play? Yeah, because they always start strong. They always start strong because they, they yeah are... they did it against Leicester, they did it against Wasps, they did it against Newcastle. I'm not allowed to bet. Although, mm. I, although I have seen some people that do my job. That's why you give your money to me, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen some people that do my job. Mentioning about putting bets on, and I and I did go. Oh, maybe I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to. So I won't anyway. Can I just say yeah, this about your job not to. and betting and don't do it for the record. I'm just, not going to do it. Just don't, don't do, do it. it. But the reason I bet is not because I like betting. I've never betted. I never enjoy it. I don't like horse racing. I don't like going to. It. I don't like anything. Except like when that. Leo Vegas sponsored us. And then, Except, oh then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even when Leo Vegas, Vegas sponsored us, I'd often forget to put the bet on. The only reason <laughs> that I put a bet on is. To keep interested in a game, if I if I find myself scrolling through Twitter, it means I've lost interest in that game. Well, that's why that's why I play fantasy rugby draft. But and and I suppose the bonus is, like Phil and myself, we're pretty good at fantasy rugby draft. Obviously, you're not. <laughs> I, I, so uh... two time finalist. Thank you. <laughs> we all have our off, our off times. Uh, yeah. So so Bath did what Bath do, right? They got ahead. They played aggressive, masculine, muscular rugby. And then all of a sudden, the commentator started saying, aren't Bath playing wonderful stuff? Going coast to coast, it was described as. And that was my cue to say, enough's enough now. They're, they're going to fold. Because that's what they do. They, they've got two settings. Wide, useless rugby, or semi-effective tight rugby. Now, the semi-effective tight rugby can win you a handful of games, like it did against Sale. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what happened, though. Terrible. They had very, very effective wide rugby, actually, in that first half hour. Well, they did for... I mean, the... They, they? they were going wide. I mean, the, the Priestland Crossfield kick for that McConaughey, was that was absolutely, absolutely awesome. And that was a little bit of both. That was some good hard yards from the forwards to get the the field position. And then it was the opportunism yeah. of Priestland's Crossfield kick. They were playing, right on the Bath money. were playing much more than they, they were, were a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. But this is the problem, problem with Bath. They've got potentially solid foundations when they beat you up at, up front. And then 
they kind of abandon it. They think, oh, we're ahead now. Let's just go and play champagne rugby. And you can see it. Like, Jonathan Joseph is slipping into 12. And by the way, his hands look amazing. His his range of passing is far more extensive than I, than I thought. It's like him and Latavesi swap positions. Uh, so Jonathan Joseph is spreading the ball wide. It looks quite good. But you just know... It's you know, Premiership teams do not struggle to go sideline to sideline. So I really like the way Bath played. They they put their front five in the middle of the field and were punching up when they needed to. They had Falatao on one wing, Mercer on the other wing, and they've got Muir and McConaughey. But so did Tokay. It was no no no. It was not. It's not hard to do. But it was really effective. And Ben Spencer and Reese Priestland were bossing it. I thought they played really well for half an hour. Rather than saying, "Oh, Bath were rubbish after that," I'd actually say Exeter for the first time in a long time look like Premiership and European champions. And when they turn it on, as they did, no one can stop them. Well, let's be honest about the Exeter performance, right? They scored their first try from a driving mall. This one was O'Flaherty. Uh, O'Flaherty, oh, oh yeah. That, that was, was the... Yeah. the uh, I mean, this, from close range, but yeah. yeah. Quite, uh, so Maul comes down, O'Flaherty straight down the 10 channel. Of yeah. course Lovely try, fantastic try. Um, well, look well, at no, the, look everyone, the No, because... Well, no, but Bath... Bath were all defending the driving mall. That was the beauty it's, of it. It's a, yeah, it's a great oh. example of what Baxter says. Well, yes, you can stop the driving mall, but there's going to be gaps elsewhere. But we can target Reese Priestland. Exactly. Uh, yeah, because um, they, they had to put an extra one of their flankers in to the driving mall to stop that. There's a, a, then a bigger gap. I would between... still maintain. I mean, I'm remembering it now, so I could be horribly wrong, but I would say defending Tomo Flatter. Uh, uh, it's not like they went around the edge of them. You know, it. No, no, it, it was. It's still. Priestland should have made that hit. Pretty but, defendable, but that. Priestland would want one of his back rows, yeah. all the scrum half, coming round to support all, him. All, and he was left with a with a one-on-one. Oh, Flyers picked yeah. a nice line. Exeter took the line-out ball, went down, set, and then went. But he's not. He, it's not like he's, he's tackling a prop. He's tackling... No, but he's, Flatty, right? he's tackling yeah, but a rapid O'Flatty on his soft shoulder when he's and, got space. I mean, and it's O'Flatty. Just remember, um, Priestland is originally marking Simmons. So mm. a flatty's coming round from the blind side. So where the Priestland has to identify and step in. I'm aware. I'm aware of all the complexities of potentially defending this. I'm still paying him a lot of money, and he's still making that tackle. I, I, mm. I just don't. I just don't think it's a reasonable excuse. Uh, and then Exeter were not phenomenal. Yes, they were. But they just went through their gears, and they, they were. They, they were phenomenal. Held, they held the ball. If you think about what Exeter focused on, compares to what Bath focused on. Exeter were focusing on making sure their breakdowns were nice and clean, making sure they won, actually won the ball back. There's nothing particularly flash until it ne- until they actually needed to execute something. Bath, when they decided to just throw everything out and go side to side, well, didn't look quite quite, well, quite so good. Let's just remember, it was an Exeter performance like that in that the second, well, fifty or thirty minutes onwards, well, mainly the second half. But it was that that extra second half performance was the same kind of performance that beat Toulouse away in Toulouse. Let's not forget. Oh, they're only, amazing. Uh, only, uh, yeah. So so Bath at home. I don't think we should be going Bath are rubbish just because well, the Exeter, table says they're just, rubbish. No, just because yeah, just because. Well, I don't think we should be surprised that a team that are sitting in tenth when it, when Exeter play like they played away at Toulouse do it away at Bath. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the table doesn't lie. You're absolutely right there, Tim. That the t- team in tenth you would expect to lose against the European champions. I don't think there's anything. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, the other thing about Bath I'd like to say as well is maybe they shouldn't have rotated or so many players so quickly. So they've got lads like Underhill has just come back from injury. Who looked great? He looked great. He did. Um, fine, but I'd I'd kind of ask, should you not have started Miles Reed and then brought him on? 
you know, is it, and it's not just, uh, by the way, I'm not saying it's an underhill thing at all. You've got Faletau, who's been playing a lot of rugby. He looks better, but he looks better the more he plays. Um, he, he has done recently. And, yeah. and last game he came they rotated, back. They rotated the second rows. They had, I think, different people in. Certainly, did they have a, a different a different loose head on? Well, they, the point well Stuke make, and McNally, they, they don't have any other second rows. Well, the point. Well, yes. So if you if you're forced to make changes there, I wouldn't change everyone else wholesale. And that, I just say in their pack, I felt when they look when I look at that team, people saying, "Oh my god, it's the all star back row." And I was thinking, no, try and keep some consistency here because that to me is more important. When they played well at Sale, uh, they had the basis, I think, of you know what looked like a, an effective strategy. Changing a team as much as they did, and I felt it was quite 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 a big change. Maybe wasn't the wasn't the best move. But they were changing them for their their top of the pecking order in every position that they changed. Beno Abano came back in because he was Beno the best. Beno Abano, yeah. Tom, yeah. Tom, Tom Dunn was in because he was the he's the best hooker, and Mac, but, McNally's their captain. And yeah, but teams take a while to to, to follow and Underhill. I, that is their starting. Back row, it is with with uh, Mercer or Falatower eight, whichever way around you want to do it. But that they they pick their strongest pack. Oh, definitely. But is your strongest pack your strongest eight names, or is it the strongest, uh, the most cohesive pack? Well, that would be my question. And if you've had some sort of good wins, and you know you've got a fragile team in the best of times, do you go? For, do you just rotate everything? And I wouldn't have done that. But the, in all honesty, I don't think it matters. Maybe not. And the flip side is that they get exactly the same scoreline, and they and and Stuart Hooper leaves Sam und- leaves his best team on the bench, saying, "Well, you know, Ben Obano hasn't really played in a few weeks, so you know, I didn't want to put him in." But the Bath fans would be absolutely raging. I don't know. Look, that's his job, though, right? It's not to pick people based on how much they get they get paid. It's to pick people and make hard decisions yeah. based on what you see on the field. So I would be happy to leave Obano and Underhill on the bench to play two more guys who were you know, available and had played previous weeks. Can anyone look at that game and think that he didn't make the right call when you look at the first half hour when yes. Bath were taking yes, the European and Premiership champions to the cleaners? Yes, because I've seen them do this to a lot of teams. I've seen them do it many, many You've times. You've just got a Stuart Hooper thing. You're trying to fit. You're if, trying if to I, squeeze this through your this, Stuart Hooper narrative. If I didn't believe this, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made the bet when I made the bet. So I, you know, I actually did believe it before before they kicked off. So I look. You, you can't really defend all that money, all that talent, all those caps lying in lying in tenth. It's well, that, difficult. That is the biggest problem. That's but th- fair. but this this game, I don't think it matters who he picks. You could have the academy lads, or, or he could have his first team, which is what he did, or his cohesive team. Exeter will win in this one. Yeah, the annoying thing is, from a Bath point of view, and you can look at this and use excuse for many other games I've played. They clearly can beat teams. I mean. What if they just carried on doing what they started doing against Exeter? What if they just carried on? But the, the problem is, and when when they played, I think Wasps and Leicester were two of them, where they went two two tries up, I think, in both games. But but the problem, same with this, it's a little bit of individual brilliance that scored those tries. Like mm. um, there's one in the Wasps game, was it Ben Spencer, or was it the Leicester game where Ben Spencer scores an absolute amazing sixty yard try? Yeah, that's right. Um, that the individual brilliance will be a it will happen repeatedly, but it'll be a random occurrence. Yeah, like you can't bank on individual brilliance to repeatedly score your points. Like you can, like Exeter can bank on getting five meters out and pick and go until they score. That that is a predictable that's a event. Really, 
really great point. So yeah, the Priest and Crossville kick was excellent. It's superb. Think about their <laughs> opening game against Newcastle where Redpath waves a ball around like a magic wand and then, yeah, and then the, offloads. The, the Glanville has scored a couple of amazing tries. Yeah, uh, I, I do think they're addicted to big names, uh, big names and big selections rather than actual good cohesive team units. They're, they're definitely and uh, how much of that is coming from Hooper and how much of that com- is coming from the owner. I don't know. Bruce. I don't know. Well, but, the, the, they've had a good win and I think there was enough there if I was a Bath fan to look at and go. We we can turn it on and compete. Definitely, but we, but when you play the European and Premiership champions, well, when you play Newcastle with your strongest team, when you're playing the European and Premiership champions, you can't then dominate that for eighty minutes. So when they do have the chances, they need to take every single one of them. Do you know what I would do if I owned Bath? I would pick up the phone and I would buy on mass the whole Steve Diamond. Well, if Steve Diamond wasn't available, okay. I might buy the whole Newcastle Castle coaching team. Just en masse. <laughs> That's what I would do. Move them across. Yeah, simple as that. Uh, you, you, you and you. Uh, who, who is it? It's um, is it? Richards, Walder, um, John Wells. And Wells. and Nick Easter. Yes. Oh, yeah, because Nick Easter went to Durban, didn't he, for a period? Uh, did he, he go Durban? somewhere else he went, as well? he went to South Africa. Uh, I, then... I don't know what those boys are up to. Exactly, but they know what they're doing. I can I can tell you that categorically. Just before we move on to anything else, uh, Sam Simmons, everyone's talking about again, another try. Um, th- there was a, a very shareable video of Sam Simmons' 12 tries before Saturday. He's now scored 13, which is doing the rounds. It's only when I watched them, the first one of them on that opening game against Quinns was outrageous. He's four, 40 metres. that one. <laughs> like, so fast. Just ridiculous. The others, there's a few where he shows extreme strength, but quite a lot. Let's just put it in perspective. It's a little bit like a top goal scorer in football being um, the penalty taker and having loads of penalties. He is on the back of a mall a lot. Yeah. And, and he, he still needs a lot of strength and skill to do it. Yeah, Don't get it me does. wrong. But he, he's doing a role that often the hooker would do. Yes. Because the hooker would throw, run round, collect the ball and then kind of get the armchair ride. But he got one against Sale, right? And what struck me about this one on Sale, and he was on the back of the armchair ride. But then he, that's the one where he went down the blind side. It's how quick he oh, is when yeah. he's going. He's, he's rapid. Oof, just yeah. gone. And he's powerful and strong. It's not. So I, I think it's a, it's a valid point. And maybe that is something that Eddie Jones has observed, that if he was playing for a different team, he would still score the 40-yard tries. He might not. If he was doing a different role in the X, if, if uh, Mullet-Dickey was in the back of the armchair ride, so, I, so I just I think we we got asked this actually, uh, and I thought I'd just raise this. So, just quick, quickly on Sam Simmons, um, devil's advocate the situation here. Why, why might you not want him as England number eight? So, because you're playing Jack Noel <laughs> as England number eight. Well, that's what he says. <laughs> so, the, the two things for me. So, he played in 2018, um, and he scored. I think it was a hat trick against Italy, and then looked a bit small and underpowered on the bigger stage um, because he is relatively small. He's, he's got the, he's behind that massive extra pack, which is normally dominant, which gives him great front football. So I think, and I've said this for a few years, I think if he's going to be playing England, he's not a number eight. He's a number seven yeah, or possi- possibly a number six. Now I would have him in the England squad in one of those two positions, but he's, it's, it's very difficult for him to be if playing... Uh... 
playing number eight for England. So I think a back row is known in two ways, okay? I think of, well, there's a couple of ways, but you think of the, the traditional back row. And I'm not sure if that still really exists so much, but a traditional seven, a big eight, and a six to, to deal with eights. Do we all kind of agree? It, it depends because you see... That's a very traditional way of looking at that it. That is a traditional way because you, you've seen like Australia played Pooper, yep. Pocock and Hooper with Fardy, and it's totally different. Yeah. But w- that combination in 2015 worked well. So that's the other, that's the other one, isn't it? It's two sevens, um, wherever they may go. So England sometimes do 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 the do the two sevens or two sevens with one at eight and then and then your big six. So yeah, a six who's a lineout option as well in that in that um, example. Exactly. So there is a way to get a smaller eight in, which is with two enormous flankers. And I wonder if England had access to, for instance, a Haskell and a. Just I'm going to make someone up now. Uh, Jerome Kano. Jerome Kano. Yeah, those two. You definitely go with, with Simmons because you well, can afford. To. And that's what Exeter do. Like, yeah. Look, look, at, look yeah. at their flankers: exactly. Vermeulen, Kirsten, Ewers, yeah, Armand. Ewers is huge. Massive men. Yeah. So you're not asking Sam Simmons to replace Billy. I think Phil's got this right here, which is you're asking him to replace one of those sevens. So it's going to have to be Billy, probably plus Simmons because you can have. It'd be you'd struggle to have Simmons. Curry Underhill, and I think they like yeah, Curry that, Underhill. Yeah, that would well. And this was a point I made a few weeks ago when we were talking about England's pack is thirty kg heavier. If you did that, you England's pack would literally drop thirty kilograms. Yeah. because um, Simmons is thirty kilos lighter than Billy. But but, but then if you if Simmons and uh, if Simmons and Billy were in the same back row, I don't understand how you get the balance and the and the workload that needs to be done. I don't, don't see how you do it. Don't think you do. I don't but, think you do. But then this is so. When Earl comes in, Earl can play six, seven, and eight, which I think is why, where. And I, I see Earl and Simmons as very yeah, similar 100%. players. 100%. Lower centre of gravity, uh, very explosive, happy in the wide channels. And similarly, um, Lewis Ludlam, who's been in, in and around the squad in the past, I, I think can do the same thing aggressive, explosive. Yeah, you're right. And He's, I, yeah. I, I think. For my mind, I've got more game tape on Simmons doing that than I have either of Ludlam or even Ben Earl, I think. So I would probably have, if it was down to me, I'd have Simmons doing the Ben Earl role ahead of Ben Earl. Mm, well, I that's would, a good point. I think I'd need more information on Ben Earl performing on the flank. Uh, yes, we've seen him because he plays with Nathan Hughes there. But yeah. what I mean by more information, like, I'd need to look at the stats. Like, Is he better? Because you don't really watch what he does around the breakdown that intently. Because they're so good with ball in hand. He's good he's over so the good. ball. He jackals. He jackals really well. He plays seven quite a bit for Bristol. Sound, well, I mean, it sounds like that, that's your answer then. Ben Earl is better at pretending to be Tom Curry than... We've just got more game Simmons. tape. Yeah, we've got more game tape on him yeah. pretending to be Tom Curry. Pretending to be Michael Hooper. Yeah. So it's just... But, but then Eddie Jones, you know, shows with, with Owen Farrell, he's quite happy to put someone in, in a position in an England shirt that he doesn't play at club level. Yeah, he's done March and, and Joseph on the wing yep. as well. He's and Elliot, Brown. Elliot Daly at fifteen. Yep. Yeah, Brown on the wing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ben Nine's playing. Uh, ben Young's playing rugby. Yeah, he's <laughs> starting. He's not going to start for Leicester. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just thought I, I thought the Simmons one was. I was, it was just quite an interesting way to come at it. Like, what's the devil's advocate position? Because not to say we don't think he should be in the England squad, but just to try and think, explain that maybe there there is trying potentially. Guess what Eddie Jones is thinking with it. The reason Simmons is so controversial is because 
rightly so. You think about rugby and everything in life, really, as you get what you deserve and it should be a merit-based system. Yeah, meritocracy. And you'd say, based purely on merit, Simmons should 100% be there. And that's why we feel so unjust about the whole situation. Yes. The reality of it is, maybe there just is not the right system to fit such a precocious talent in there. Yeah, but then that... Is he precocious? Is that for people younger than him? Is that what... Well, yeah. I I would say yeah, that he was good. Young coaches will be fine. I'd, yeah, I would imagine the f- the philosophy of the best coaches isn't you have a system which you cram players into. Like Eddie, it's does. you you look at the <laughs> you look at the resources you have and create a system which brings the best out of the talents you have. Exactly, and that, that it, um, the Palo Adogru one is a great example that mm. he was at Leicester and then he was at Sale. There was a combination, I don't know how much of each it was, but a failure to identify his talents and a definite failure to get the best out of him until he went to Wasps. Noted. Did not get released this week. Yeah. yeah. When Eddie, others, jo- Eddie Jones did. said, told Lee Blackett, he will be involved. Yeah. Mm. And Ollie Lawrence didn't get released as well. Mm. That's quite exciting. Who have got next? France. Crikey. France, mm. look, France at Twickenham with... Uh, Laura's at 12 and a doggo at 13. A dog is at 13 or on the bench, potentially. I mean, it's interesting. It, it's it's a way to play the game, I guess. <laughs> it's going to be doggers at 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that's that's that chat. Um, just let, let me very briefly touch on, because since you mentioned doggers and not being released, Wasps could have done with him. I'll just quickly mention this game because I watched it all. Fantastic game. Uh, Really tense. I just want to sh- give a shout out to Jeff Tumanga Allen. I've seen the highlight. Absolutely yeah. outrageous. So I was talking to someone not so long ago about Wasp's situation. Uh, they find themselves where money is tight, obviously. No, that, that, that is not a secret. And there's a couple of guys on their salary cap I think they would quite like not to have on their salary cap. Uh, you can think of who the names may be. I reckon Tumanga Allen might have been on there some time ago. Um. He seems to be getting really valuable now. And he seems to be playing almost like a micro uh, John Othella. That's, that's a good comparison. And he, I get the impression when I've been at the Rico, and I'm, I'm quite often sat just in front and to the right of the Wasp squad. Uh, much like Callum Sheedy with Bristol... Jeff Tumanga Allen seems like that kind of a character with Wasps. They absolutely love him. Yeah, we need the, the Sheedy metric, which is who is loved most by their own teammates. Mm. Yeah, I think too, Jeff Tumanga Allen might be loved most by his Wasp teammates. He's playing well. He's playing re- <laughs> really, really well. He came in on some good some, some good money still originally. Some scrimmaging can still be a little bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's a capped all black. Did you see it was he Hurricanes? He's, he's my beloved Hurricanes. He won, won Super Rugby with my beloved Hurricanes. Did he, did he play well? Um, <laughs> that, that Hurricanes team was not about the pack. It was, it, 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 I mean, they was, were there, but... They, they were there, well... Like was, Jeremy Corbyn, they, so, were, they were present but not involved. Yeah, well, no. Ardy Surveyor was involved. Uh, Brad Shields did a bit, captained it. And then, besides that, it was about... Um, well, the back line with ba- the Barretts and Surveyor and Laumapi. Uh, I can't remember if it was well, was Conrad it Smith in, and Mahan Ma- Ma- or... No, 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 it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't. was um, Vince Arso. Vince Arso and Laumapi. Vince Arso who's playing for the reserve team at the moment. Is can't, he? Can't get a, a game. In, in classic Chris Boyd fashion, that was just a scrum was a restart and nothing more. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, if it's going to be like that. 
Yeah. Then, uh, then he's your boy. Uh, Wasps thought they'd won it with a fantastic try. Uh, Jimmy Gopeth got a conversion with about two minutes on the clock from a from a, a try right at the death. And it was lovely to see after confidence being knocked a little bit and him not being involved for a while, um, Jacob Umanger. Um, it was great to see him play in a really open game because he's so good in broken field. He is, isn't he? He was great. And then um, Gloucester, fair play, managed to claw himself a victory. And whereas they've been losing those close encounters, they've nudged a couple this time in Billy Twelve Trees um, with the penalty at the end. There was one uh, decision, the Ollie Thorley decision. Jack, Jack Knoll, again, he's brave enough to voice on social media despite knowing that he's just going to get a whole load of crap for it. You don't so, get it, Jack. Yeah, you don't get Oh, you want people to die, Jack. Um, so Jack Knoll said, uh, Ollie Thorley a red, lol. Uh, it was an amazing red. I mean, as reds go, I, I mean, wasn't red. Simple as that. Well, it's, I, I used to be of that opinion, as in the the, the class of clash of heads. I'm still halfway there, but I can kind of see the logic that clash of heads is probably well, not probably. It is far more risky than anything else. It's far more risky than a shoulder to head, an elbow to head, a knee to head. Mm-hmm. According to the stats, it, it is the the most risky thing, and you actually double the risk because unlike a shoulder to a head or a knee to a head. Head to head, you've well, got two players. That might be. I, I was just about to say that might be why it's. It seems more risky, but not because it's twice as. Uh, not not because say a collision is twice as potentially dangerous. It's because it happens to two people, not one. Well, so so it, would, it, would six, count, it would count there's, twice. Yeah, there's six times the risk. Yeah. Which even if it's even if you're doubling it, doubling it's it, still yeah. three times the yeah. risk. Yeah, so it is it is a much more risky incident, yeah. and I don't know which way it is whether it's six times for each yeah. individual Rug- or rugby's a risky times. game, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is. I'm, but it, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't been flippant. I can I can used to be against the the that because it's well clearly it's an accident, um, a head to head. No one. But that could then. But, but then a shoulder. Yeah, a shoulder. But also, yeah, a shoulder to the head. No one goes. Well, no one goes. Well, people very rarely go in with the intention okay. to hit someone in the head with their shoulder. But even if they do, intent is so irrelevant as, at that stage. As people who want to influence the game and try to blind you with science and absolute nonsense logic would say, it's about changing behaviour, which then people grab hold of who do not understand the game and then parrot it. But the changing behaviour point really doesn't stack up here because I might want to put a shoulder into your head. It's very little trade-off for me to putting my shoulder in, into your head. I certainly don't want to put my head into your head. I don't. I think you're not changing anyone's behaviour if it's a clash of heads because nobody would... You've got the ultimate deterrent not to hit heads. It bloody hurts. It's like one of the it, worst things that can happen. It's awful. If you've never done it, it's awful. It is. I'll, de- I'll devil's advocate this decision. Ollie Thorley could have could have changed his body position before that particular hit. Yeah, he, he could go lower. And and I've sort of had a little, um, you know, very, very friendly um, monitoring of this particular law with um, the Rugby Inside Line uh, Twitter account over the past few weeks because I've been saying when these other head-to-head clashes have happened before, <laughs> bless you, uh, referees have said, oh, it's a rugby, a rugby incident, it's a clash of heads. And that's fine. They've, they've, yeah. let, they've let a lot of them go. They've well, let some go and some have been red cards Yeah, they've as well. let some go, some be red cards. Now in the laws, in the World Rugby Framework... <laughs> bless you again. <laughs> uh, in, the world, in the World Rugby... Just long, long COVID. Yes, yeah. long COVID. In the, in the World Rugby Framework, it doesn't mention uh, that it has to be a shoulder to a head. So it's contact by, with a By head. the letter of the law, quote-unquote, a phrase I generally hate, um, it, it, it is maybe legitimately a red card. 
I'm kind of with you a little bit, JB, as well, where I think... Well, no, yeah, it's just oh, not going to change on. anyone's behaviour. Actually, what it is is chest, well, chest to chest, not head to head. But yeah, if, uh, if, if the idea of getting head butted is not going to make you go lower, change of the laws isn't isn't going to do it. That that would be my only point. I'm not saying you shouldn't have got lower. He absolutely well, should have got lower. Yeah, he should have got lower. Should have got lower. Maybe you will go lower. But not the, not because of the red card, but because he's still got a headache two days later because he just smashed into someone else's yeah. school. Now, just yeah. uh, just so we can round off the red cards quickly, the one who was one hundred, the most red card, red card I have seen in a long time, was Terence, whatever his face, Hepatima. Uh, that was uh, that's the opposite that's end of this who, scale. Who, by the way, much like I think it's is it Ellis Genge chews gum during games. Oh, Kyle Sinclair was doing this. Kyle Sinclair in, in the um, England Wales game. England, yeah. It, Carl Sinclair was chewing gum in the England game, and Terence Hepatima was chewing gum during London Irish. Yeah, somebody tweeted about this, and it's like that little prayer, the little prayer emoji, like like a, a heartfelt appeal, like please, with all the concussion stuff going on, can we get can we get the players to stop chewing gum? I was like, <laughs> what? Just because you don't like gum, don't try and co-opt. <laughs> it makes it makes me nervous. When I was watching Carl Sinclair the other day. I was just thinking, big hit. Gets dislodged, back of the throat. Next thing you know, someone's having to open up his um, windpipe with a scalpel. Mm. Like it's a just... soldier when they used a pen. Yeah, or like casualty. But... Yeah. yeah. I see it. I, 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 I just, I... It's such an unnecessary... Yeah. And especially, like, I, I've always... Well, ben, one, ben one time Henderson, the MMA fighter, fights with a toothpick in his mouth. That's that's insane. That's cool though. Isn't <laughs> it's, it? it's mental. I, I reckon it's, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up to a new World Rugby directive where there'll be a mint break in, uh, in all <laughs> games. <laughs> but maybe, maybe Sinclair's trying to give up smoking. Yeah, maybe it it's nicotine gum. <laughs> it, it is apparently. Oh well, it, it's is it nicotine as a stimulant? Is that performance enhancing? Ooh. But it'll be legal. Yeah, if if it is, I'm not I'm not saying it is. Um, get some also, get some hippie crack balloons. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think I think you should always wear a gum shield, but that's me. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you chew gum with a gum? I shield? wouldn't be happy chewing gum with a gum shield. Then that's a really maybe. Here's a here's something for someone. I don't think a, anyone should wear a gum shield. No, no, I, mean, I don't. I, I, don't I think, would prefer. I would prefer. I would, if it yeah, is. I, I don't think. It, I don't think it should be a world would be directive that yeah. you have to wear a gum shield. I just think. It's a bit stupid not to wear yeah, a gum shield. I will always wear mine if I remember it. The problem is I can't remember the last time I did remember it, <laughs> so I don't train <laughs> it. And, and just, yeah. so, here's a here's something for you, right? What about a gum shield if you want to make some money? So just stand a gum shield so you don't get hurt. But maybe you get replaceable chewing gum strips which you get to put on the top of your gum shield, so you can just <laughs> you can sort of chew, you can just sort of gnaw on it when you still get the release of of, of the gum, and away you go. Just go for the uh, Scandinavian snus. Oh, have you tried that stuff? I, I've had it Jesus. a few times. If you're not used to it, yeah, the first time it you have can it, totally blow your head off. A guy in South Africa, we stopped to watch the first Lions test against Southern Kings. It wasn't a test; it was a midweek one, right? It was and the Southern Kings before they were the Southern Kings, so whatever the team was prior to that. Um. And some guy gave me Biltong, thank you very much. Awesome. And then Snuff, or whatever. Snuzz. Snuzz. Snuff, snuff is, is the powder yeah. that you... Oh! That's the stuff that comes in a little metal bottle. Yeah. yeah. Hang on, so is Snuff like a, a thingy sniff? Yeah, it's like Snuff's the powder. Smelling salts type yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I have. Well, yeah, but it is, again, it's a tobacco yeah. origin. Yeah, I had that. In, I've never in, had Snuff. Horrendous. horrendous. Which is like a 17th century, 18th century <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it blows your head off. 
But the no, I'm talking about the snus that look like tiny little tea bags, like postage stamp. Have you ever had them? No. Is this like chewing tobacco? It's a bit like chewing tobacco. So you get it in Scandinavia, in Norway, in Sweden. But it comes Denmark. in little bags. So, it's so it not... comes in. You get a little. It looks like a hockey puck size thing, and it's with the the tobacco. You get it from certain vendors. Hockey puck size little pouch, and you see in um, in Norway, a lot of the guys, one of their back pockets has worn to the circle of the the snus pouch. The, the, what the puck size thing, and in it you get about fifty. Then they're tiny little t- posts postage stamp size tea bags and you put one or two if you're kind of used to it under your gums at the top of your mouth so basically shoved so under below a, your like, nose like God, godfather but on your yes, up, on your upper on gums. your upper and it slowly or rather quickly releases tobacco into your system if you're not used to uh, sorry nicotine into your system and if you're not used to nicotine which i'm not because i don't smoke the first time you do it it like it, it'll actually make you feel like Dizzy and a bit nauseous. It's quite, it's, it's quite, it's quite good fun. Wow! wow. Every, every time I go to Scandinavia, I kind of have a little yeah, dabble. Smashed on um, <laughs> snuzz. <Snuzz. laughs> wow! Absolutely. Tier two, tier two tour. Sweden rugby yeah. team any good? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Going off. It's going off on snuzz. It's like every orifice is going to have snuzz in it. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fine drinking fine. Get some more snuzz in you. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Uh, anyway, well played Gloucester. It was a, it yeah. was a really good win. And that's good co- win. A couple of tight wins after a few tight defeats, and they'll, they'll need that, and that, that takes them off the bottom. And uh, Worcester uh, dropped to the bottom in their place. Yeah, the in- seeming inevitable drop for Worcester. Yeah, they- although they could. They could have won this game. And arguably, yeah. there was one decision. There was one decision which, again... Niall Annett, the, the Worcester player on, on comms, t- took it very well. He went, oh, you know, sometimes those go for you, sometimes they don't. But um, there was one bit where, towards the end, Andy Uren was... Uh, Bristol had the ball on their own line, and Andy Uren was rolling the ball back to do a box kick, and he rolled the ball back so it was on the goal line, Ooh. and Matt Kvezic, who was in the middle of the ruck yep. on the floor, reached out a hand... And that is a try. Put his hand on well, top. No, so I would say if he comes round from the side, that's a try. But if he's on the floor, it doesn't matter. You can, you, you're you can out score. of the game. Yep. Yeah, no, but not when not when not when it's a try line. Yeah. Oh. There's no off your feet, and there's no offside. There's no offside. Line. Ah, I you don't could, know. You could, you Did could, it stand? 
Uh, no, the, the ref didn't spot it, and Matt Kovacic went was said to the ref when when after Andy Urena kicked it dead, he was walking back to the lineup, going, "Sir, can you please check? I scored that." And then he, he, no, 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 leave it, leave mm. it. So oh. it, was, it was it was one of those interesting ones, but it was one of those great ones. It would have been a genius bit of play from Matt Kovacic yeah. had it come off. Yes, yeah. if if that gets awarded, so it's an amazing bit. Of play. One of our Twitter followers pointed out to us. That the cameras in the Worcester Bristol game spotted something, which we need to talk about because if it's not true, I think there's a court case on the cards here for libel. Wow! Yeah, um, Andrew Kitchener didn't shake the hand of a Bristol player. No, that I, is I'm not having that. I'm I don't. Be, I that. don't believe it because as we know from Alan Solomon's last season, Andrew Kitchener comes from a good family. Very yeah, good a, family. Very, sorry, very good. Very family. good family. It's part. It's intrinsic to his brand. I can't imagine him not him, him not doing that. There is no chance. No, I don't believe it. No, I, I fake news. Fake yeah. news. <laughs> completely fake news. Defamation <laughs> of character. There should be a court case. Yeah, yeah. and Andrew Solomon should be the lawyer presided over that court case <laughs> just like toadfish and neighbours can do murders or minor traffic infringements <laughs> they were unlucky here they were really unlucky they were they, they play some great rugby uh, Worcester do Bristol do get results and I don't want to sound you'll, you'll probably slap me down here some of their teams they pick do not look like teams who are going to win the championship Win a championship. They don't look like they're going to win. They're going to win a final. Now I get that they are going down their down down their order of of, of players, but they just they look a little bit weak per, personnel wise. They do still play amazing rugby, and that's what saved them: the ability to score and have good team shape. Now Largo, now yeah, Lango, uh, that that's crikey. What, that's now Largo is probably what saved them in this game, in this yeah. instance. Lua and and Sti- and, and, like, she, and Sheedy, to be fair, was great. Uh, Leua. Oh, 12. I didn't even know we could do that. I mean, he didn't have his greatest game this week. He had a fantastic game last week. So, yeah, it's a, it's an important win, this, for Bristol, because they are playing with some of their big names out. And yeah. when you've got your big uh, yeah, names out, you multiple. need to get results. And to, yeah. put, and to put that into context, when you think about Saracens winning in past seasons, we, we used to say, doesn't matter who Mark McCall picks, players can, go, players can be out away on international duty, and the people that come in and just uh, fill the void brilliantly. The same with Exeter. Mm. Uh, we've said that about them when they're in their winning seasons and Br- if Bristol are building that characteristic in their squad that is an amazing sign for yeah. them I've still got big questions over if their starting team playing their best rugby in that system is a good enough system to win a title I've still got huge it might be who it's gets a- in their back three like because Max Max Malins Charles Pietau R- Ratu Naolango He's uh, class. Yeah. Uh, Monaghan. Luke, Luke Morahan. Yeah. Uh, and Purdy's such a good yeah. all-round player. Purdy is a fantastic pickup. Yeah. But he, he's not. He's not get, when they're all fit. He'll be. I'm on not the bench. sure. He's one of those guys. Who I think they pick. He just runs angry. He always looks angry. Yeah. yeah. He runs. He's, angry. he's a he big, angry. strong boy as well. Yeah, he is, yeah. He's surprisingly big. Uh, what goes on uh, when these sort of players get released? I will never understand that. And we've said yeah. it before. It's, it's like Leicester letting Thacker go, but keeping Palotta now, Youngs, and all the others. And then Gloucester going, yeah, we don't need Purdy, but we'll spend all that cash on Johnny May and all the others they had at the time. He's a Tigers boy originally, Purdy. Was he? Yeah. yeah. So it's another failure to identify talent from Tigers. Yep, indeed. Long, the next long one in a long list. list. Long God, list. If, they, if they just kept and nurtured, like, well, they, they'd have too many. Some of them would have to go anyway, because it'd be, it'd be Lewington and Doggers and... 
Purdy. Uh, Purdy, just to name but three. But so, they, they they let all those go so they could keep well Tuolagi up to a point and yeah. uh, and Ford on half a million plus a year. So have I told you about the Leicester recruitment strategy from the past? The, the past Leicester recruitment strategy. Uh, is this well? I know one of their key recruitment um, drivers or mottos or whatever you want to call it is they must know the club. They must be a, no. a Leicester boy. No, well, it used to well, be. It no, must that be was the old, old, right? Okay. So, like, the their, their previous incarnation of it. Foreign and very expensive. Yes, yeah, so... On short, short-term foreign and expensive. Play for the, England. So miss, so miss half the yeah, games. Play for England, yeah. so not available. So I knew this guy, right, back in the... Back, a few years ago. And he does a lot of Leicester Tigers media kind of stuff. He does Radio Leicester. He's very, very kind of well-connected to... To, to Leicester Tigers. I'm having a good old chinwag about um, you know, what Leicester's recruitment policy is. And this is about the time that they got the New Zealand flanker in. Uh, oh, oh, what's his name? O'Connor. O- Brendan O'Connor. O'Connor. And they mentioned, he mentioned something which, I, which just tallied with something I happened to have read uh, earlier on that, that week. And the thing which I read was Leicester Tigers have decided to not promote from within the academy so much, but instead look for fully formed players that they can buy, so the best of the young lads which which they can bring in, fine. And this is exactly what uh, this fellow was saying. He said, yeah, they moneyballed it all, and they came up with O'Connor being their best option. Who was probably 24, 25? Yeah. Maybe even, yeah, it was that age when he Yeah, when the Blues came. were doing particularly, I think he's from the Blues. Yeah, so, Sounds about right. Yeah, so I, I've had this in, in, in the back of my mind for a long time. I was reading Soconomics, and Moneyball, I've read like back, like back, 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 back to back recently, and it stacks up exactly as to what Leicester Tigers were clearly doing. They, they obviously had a helicopter view of both of these books. In Soconomics, it very clearly says um, it is a waste of time having an academy in a lot of in a lot of ways because you don't know which players are going to going to mature. So you're best off buying someone else's player, and that was literally written down in a paper. And it was a quote from their head of from their head of head of rugby back in the day, who I think was Jed Chucklin. Well, so it's an interesting one because in football, the things are slightly different because transfer fees. Transfer fees. So if yes. you can get like Chelsea have done uh, incredibly well over the last few years, uh, maybe not actually sold for them for the, as much as they're worth, but if you can get five hundred youngsters and you pay them ten grand a year each, but Two of them go on to be worth fifty million pounds. That whole system you could you can kind of just totally discard four hundred ninety eight of them. But they have a business the in, two of them. In, in loan. In yeah, loan yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. The annual fee for loaning players. That's yeah, what they do. Yeah. Whereas in foot in rugby, because there are no transfer fees, you you don't get that same return on your investment unless one of those players goes definitively goes on to. So you can only like in Chelsea they can get it through either selling them. Or they go on to make a load of first team appearances and play really well. well actually, yeah. Leicester only get one half of that deal or any rugby team. Uh, and uh, Chelsea actually uh, also, much like Leicester, have miss uh, have missed. Yeah. Uh, they could have had Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, Salah, uh, Sa- Mo, Mo, Mo Salah, Salah, yeah, just to name three. That they just the, went, the don't, need, is, don't yeah. need them. Yeah. The list is way longer than that uh, as well. We're going to buy Andre Shevchenko instead. Well, and yeah. Fernando Torres. It's so weird that they... Who, Mutu, up. Adrian Mutu. Yeah, Adrian Mutu. Yeah. It, it's so weird, though, that it matches up so well with what those books say. It's almost like they've got half... They sort of, they've sort come across an idea, but they can't really, didn't really apply it too well to their situation. Yeah, they've not thought out 
exactly what it means. Uh, the yeah. one example with Brendan O'Connor actually looks like a great one. It, were it not for injury, he panned out really well. Excellent. He was he was a good player. Bit away went, but I really liked him. He was really good. Uh, the, but you know, Freddie Burns is a classic example of what they were trying to do. Just oh look, he's done all right at Gloucester. We'll have him. Uh, there, there were loads of examples. Um, and that seems to have gone by the wayside now. It doesn't seem to be a thing at all. But and, it certainly uh, but, was but for they, a while. But they lost George Ford because they wouldn't... Well, because his dad. Because they wouldn't play him and pay him. Is that right? What was? It? Well, and also his dad. And someone else would pay him. A lot. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Leicester Tigers acquisitions or former players, um, Kyle Eastman has shown up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's surfaced. You've been asking about him recently, JB, and you got your answer. He's back to Super League. Well, I'll pull the curtain back. I had him book, booked for Rugby Dungeon. Did you? Yeah, this this week. And we couldn't do it. And all I knew is that it was an announcement coming. And I didn't I didn't know it was league, but I did, I'm just delighted that he's playing, playing rugby again. Th- 31 years old. Uh, I do genuinely think one of the great talents of his generation. He's sensationally talented. I, I always refer back to um, when A.D. Gardner was um, doing strength and conditioning coaching at Sedgley yeah. when uh, Eastmond um, went to Union. And I knew a little bit about Eastmond, not an enormous amount, and I asked A.D. Gardner, and he's just like, this kid is unreal. He's the best feat he'd ever seen. It's amazing, that, isn't it? It's yeah. amazing. So three players independently have told me he's the best player that he's that they've ever played with. Yeah, because he had the feet and the acceleration, but he also had the handling skills. Yeah. Rob Webber, um, on Rubby Dungeon said it, Nathan Catt and uh, Carl Ferns. Uh, you know, and it's not like, is, I didn't ask him, is, Carl, is Kyle Eastman the best player that you've ever played with? Yeah. Uh, they said, I just said, who is the best player? And of all the hundreds that I've played with, Kyle Eastman. And two of the reasons, or two of them said, because of how he talks, because of how he puts you in, it's annoying to start with. You don't really understand what's going on, but eventually you you get onto his page, and he's really, really good. He's thirty one years old. He could have an absolute dynamite season at Leeds, and I would, I'd love to see him come back. I mean, maybe you know he's had a few too many clubs now. Yeah, I don't. That, that, I don't, ship, I don't think he ever will come back. I don't no. think he'll do like a big Luth did. Partly because of the circumstances on which he left yeah. the union. Uh, Leaving Leicester under a cloud, not taking the the and pay reduction. Luth is one of those players who strikes me as an out and out union centre. Whereas Cal Eastman was talented enough to play union centre to a high level, I think his talent is far more easily transferable back to well, back to league. Yeah, he was a, he was a league player. Yeah. He was uh, a league halfback. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, was he I'm go sure. back to halfback? I don't know. I'd assume he'd go back to kind of standoff. Um, which obviously is one of the halfbacks, but I assume that would be his primary position. Well, but I don't know. I don't know the lead squad at the moment. His primary position, if it, as I understand it, is seven, isn't it? Because well, it's Callisman seven on his. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that, which is uh, that's, which is that's scrum, fly half. Uh, scrum half six is fly half. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, you're right. Dummy half. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that will give so an indication what he of where, where he's going, going back to. Yeah, um, I think he played both for for Saints. But and Andy kicked, he did. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking but forward to watching. Anyway. Good that he's popped up again. Um, yeah, he, he will. He will be earning a fraction of what his peak contract would yeah. be. Uh, yes, yes. He will be earning less. So his peak contract was rumored to be north of 300k when he got dropped which is, from. Which Bath. is why he couldn't Plus, find a. Which is why he couldn't yeah. find a club because. Yeah. No, nobody was going to pay that. Well, actually, he was going to be the highest-paid player at Bath 
when he signed the heads of terms, which never came to fruition. Yeah, so it would have been more than that, because that was when George Ford was there. Yeah, but he was also picking up England money oh, the season before delicious. that. So he would have been on half a million a year to now being... Well, I wouldn't like to guess, but it it might be six figures. It might not be. I'm talking completely out of school here. I do not know. I simply do not know. But uh, I'm sure Leeds get a dispensation for picking him up. So because he came from Union, they get like a, a gap in their salary cap. So I you can have him as a marquee player. Yeah, and half, the, and half the rugby league clubs actually make a profit, unbelievably. There's a real have and have not in rugby league, with half the owners being able to afford a lot more and are willing, and then others, well, not so much. Yeah, but they, they don't make a profit by splashing it all on uh, no on expensive players. No, they do not. No, they do not. Anyway, uh, before we dive back into the Prem, good little interlude to mention the, the, an update on the Lions, who will not be touring uh, Australia, Australia against South Africa. That will not be happening. The UK government appear to be saying they will underwrite the tour from an insurance point of view, which means that's looking more and more like the likely option because there will be crowds in June, July, whereas it would be empty stadiums potentially just, in South Africa. I mean, I, just get rid of the whole thing now. Just cancel it. If you can't go to South Africa, cancel it. Uh, no, that's my view. Yeah, I, I would... My preference, number one, would be South Africa with full stadiums, either this year or next year. Yeah. Um, second would probably be France. Third, if it's going to happen in the UK, fine, but it it just it doesn't seem yeah. right. Uh, so all um, countries affected would have to agree to it being next year in South Africa. England and France are among the countries saying they would not be happy for it. So that looks like it's dead in the water. Dead in the water. Uh, unless something miraculous happens, so we're down to two choices: South Africa, no stadiums; UK with with, with crowds. Sorry, with uh, with no crowds; UK with crowds. And I think that means it will be in in the UK. I don't know what that ha- means for the midweek games. Not much, I guess. Um, well, they're going for four tests, aren't they, rather than three? Did you mention that? Uh, yeah, I because think obviously they won't be able. Yeah, to... poss- possibly four tests. Well, cause... they're not going to be able to decide which which one doesn't have a test or, or yeah. I mean, anyone who doesn't get a test is going to be furious and also the inter because of course you could always, the, you could always do because there is there was talk of a Japan warm up at Murrayfield, Murrayfield wasn't there so you could still do that and, and three tests yeah but the, again there's other problems isn't there such as because all the rules are different in different countries as in devolved administrations I, and, like, and Ireland being a separate country yes quite that as well uh, you know, it's not quite so straightforward it does sound like it's the most straightforward I'm not that bothered about seeing this I, we have enough I, rugby I'll, I'll still enjoy it but yeah yeah but look if it's on I'll watch it yeah it wouldn't be my choice put it that way yeah cool um, and you wanted to mention the French TV deal just as we're doing other other things JB just yeah uh, I mean other things. I'm not sure if I can quite get this into the other things category, but France have managed to get a TV deal worth, off the top of my head, I think 320 million quid over six years, I think, off the top no, of my head. No, so it's 450 million euros over four oh, right. years. So that's 390. Yes, 390 million yeah. pounds over four years. Yes, yeah, four, four, four years, right? Now, So what's that a year? So, so per team per year is 7 million pounds of well, not quite. revenue. I got something wrong. Because twenty five percent of that roughly goes to Prodida. Okay. Yeah. So it's not as I mean, it's still enormous, still enormous, but it's not as enormous so as I originally thought. Five and a bit million. Now, just five and yeah. a half million per team now, per year. Just yeah. to um, what, what, so what, what? What do Premiership clubs get per team per year? About two point, on, on the about, current day. About two point two. 
Because yeah, that is a hun- that's 110 million over three years. Yeah, 110 over three years. But obviously, this is, CVC take a, take, take a quarter 20, of it. Yeah, 27 So just to put this into uh, to context, right? Uh, I just said, oh yeah, 25% of the French deal you know, goes to Prodeur. Like, it's nothing. It's something. The difference is, the French deal has goes 20, 25% into developing the league below. Now, we've got different views on the league below and how much money it should get. You have a very different view to me, Tim. But it's certainly preferable to giving 27% to a bloody pri- uh, pri- pri- private, equi- private equity firm. You know, you would feel much better about the Premiership TV deal were 25% of that going to the Championship. What I have an enormous problem with is how Premiership Rugby communicated this. They told they, they told me, actually. Their communication staff told me, well, you should, you should be grateful for the deal. Um, it's a good deal. It's the best you can expect in a pandemic. There's lots of other things going along, uh, uh, going on, which means people are, uh, eyeballs are being competed for, uh, and it strikes me that all of that was nonsense now. Because if they should have been happy with the deal during uh, the deal, of the Premier, sorry, if Premiership fans should be happy with the deal that Premiership teams struck um, with BT Sport because of COVID, the French deal blows that theory out of the water because the French have had a seventeen percent. Rise. So, so the reason, well, the question I would ask before I would judge whether something's a good deal or not is what was the reason that France got extra money? And I presume that it was a marketplace where there were multiple people interested. Yeah, that that would be my assumption. And I don't know yeah. at all. But that would be my assumption. Which isn't in the case U- in the UK. In no. The, well, it, yeah, but in England. Is it not it, a English. circular argument? It's like, well, okay, there's not enough people interested in in the UK. Okay, we'll make it more interesting, and then more people will will be in, will be interested. Uh, France, uh, economically and population wise, is broadly speaking the same size as same size uh, as the UK. The UK is one of the biggest rugby markets that there is. We know this because when the Six Nations is played, we see the TV audiences. So the blame lies with the league. Now, if the league sets up a deal with CVC, and part of this deal is, well, you get these business geniuses who are going to unlock the secrets to business. They put in a CEO, and the best the CEO can do is the same deal that he previously had, except he's paying well, away 25% well, to his well, well, actual employers. Well, just wait, so again... I, I, Madness! The, 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 yeah, well, well, yeah, but you're just... And do you know what? No, 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 they, no, 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 no. Just, just one last thing. They turned down a better deal from BT Sport. They turned it down to, to, to go to market. Right, well, right okay. So the, the important thing is... You don't just get something for nothing, okay? Yeah. So the facts on the ground are probably there were multiple bidders for France, which inflated the cost. This happened a few years ago when there were multiple bidders before BT Sport got their deal, and that will have inflated the cost. And possibly in in a previous uh, deal before this one, there might have been other bidders, which then inflated the amount. Um, this time, if BT Sport were the only bidders, you know they're not going to pay. Yeah. they're not going to pay something something for nothing. So your point about they need to Im- improve the the they need to market it the product. Better. So what would you what would you do to market well, the product better? Okay, well let's talk about what I wouldn't do first. What, why not? Why not say what would you what you would do? Because I'll answer the question in a roundabout <laughs> way. So <laughs> the first thing I would say is when the CBC deal was struck, we were we were told that these guys who know the media market inside out are going to get a better TV deal. If they knew the media market that well. Surely they would have identified when they bought the Premiership that there will there was no there was no competition. This is not a recent development. We've only ever had Sky and BT and, and BT Sport, and they misjudged the market so badly they turned down one deal with, one, one deal with BT Sport to go out to market again. So it wasn't as if 
100, right, okay. 100, it might have been 115, was it reported? So it was only, it was pretty much the same. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if it's pretty much the same or a bit better because it was a, well, it does matter. It was a bit better. Well, it, it does it matter though because they've given 20, 27% of that away. Yeah. So they can't accept a 3% increase. They've got to have a, they've got to have a 28% or greater increase. Yeah. So what would I do? Well, it's fairly, it's not one thing. You don't just say overnight, I'm going to make the, um, make the Premiership more appealing and I'll get 6 million different viewers. But I will say this about the Premiership, which is they constantly tell you, and people in, in inside and high up in rugby structures tell you, the rugby fan base is dying. We need to appeal to new audiences, new new demographics, people that were not, are not traditionally engaged with the game. Now, when you say not traditionally engaged with the game, if you're talking about a community in Sheffield who have never seen a high-level rugby union team, yeah, okay, fine, com- 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 completely get that. If you're talking about increasing the amount of housewives that watch it by 70%, you're absolutely insane. You're utterly insane. And this is what this is the drivel that we've been fed by uh, Premiership Rugby over and over again, which is we need to increase the you know in, increase who is who is watching it. Uh, the inclusion drives are super important because we need to uh, get to people who don't traditionally um, watch the game. If you look at how advertising works, if I sell a beer to you, if if I'm a beer producer. I don't spend millions and millions of pounds selling my uh, advertising my product to get new drinkers to drink my beer. And when um, and when companies like Gillette did do something along those lines, <laughs> didn't go so well, did it? It didn't go so well. No, it didn't. The reason Budweiser spent millions of pounds, billions of pounds in some cases, advertising Budweiser is to get someone who drinks Heineken to try to try their beer. It's not predatory to sort of get in a whole bunch of people who. You know, they're not advertising to nuns because nuns aren't, aren't going to buy beer. And Premiership Rugby and rugby in general needs to be a bit smarter about this. Target the demographics that are going to... that already watch sport. You know, people that watch football, people that watch UFC, people that watch rugby league, rugby league fans. People that watch international rugby but not club rugby. Yeah, there's that's, loads of them out there. That, 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 would be your big, number, that would be yeah. your number one list. Yeah, that's got to be a big market. But what we'll see next week from Premiership Rugby... Uh, well, a few weeks ago we saw... World Social Justice Day. Congratulations, boys. No, uh, no doubt you massively increased view, view, viewership figures there. Next week you'll see in um, International Women's Day. Congratulations. You'll massively increase viewership there. And it just goes on and on and on. And the drivel that comes out of their, of their communications and who they're meant to be targeting. It's absolute nonsense. And we can see it. You can avoid reality for the longest time. But you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding re- of avoiding reality. And you see it with the TV deal. People are not watching. And frankly, I don't want to go to a game and get a mental health lecture well, at half-time. Well, how, how do you know when you say people aren't watching? That's got that's got nothing to do with it. Pre- and, and, and Premiership pe- rugby. People are. No, but people are. But what my, my point... My, my initial, not watching. My initial point well, being... What are the viewing figures for, no, for Premier Rugby? My initial, my initial point was you're not going to get more money if there's no more bidders because it's a marketplace. Well, which way do you look at that? You know, the the more the more compelling you make the product, the the more bidders that you'll get. Yeah, and it, but I, I do think I, I I have no idea what's going on in the the French market. I do think um, COVID will have impacted um, the mm. potential for Premiership. Now, whether whether CVC could have got the twenty eight percent or greater that they needed to justify their existence is another thing. Yeah. But I do think it because we we have seen other potential um, hosts coming into the rugby market over the past few years. Two 
easy ones are Channel 4, yep. doing, doing European games, and Amazon Prime doing uh, Autumn Nations Cup. Mm. So there are there is other um, potential hooks, but for whatever reason, they didn't at this point go for um, go for Premiership Rugby. It might be that it needs a bit more time for, for things, for them to um, get the opportunities. But improving the product will never hurt that well, side of things. And that's where, when when CVC first came in, I was, I know you were dead against it from the start. Yeah. I was fairly open to it. And it, it's obviously a trade-off. You're selling some of your equity, but you're um, aligning yourself to someone who should have the knowledge of how to grow the product. And so I thought, certainly in my mind, that trade-off, not necessarily saying at that level, but that trade-off is not necessarily a bad one. Yeah, if, you, it, if you can get the right people to grow your effecti- product. Effectively, what Premiership Rugby Clubs did was remortgage their house. Kind of, because they they unlocked a bit of equity, but they uh, they now well, it's, no, it's not it's not the same analogy because yeah, you, you've got the the bit that I like because if it's just remortgaging the house and then just spending giving all that money to the players, then I'd hate that. But here you are aligning your interests to someone, yeah. or you in theory should be yeah, aligning your interests to someone else's. Now it's it's currently not playing out like that. Yeah, I don't know what Premier, I mean, I do know what Premiership Rugby saw. Which is cash to pay off directors' loans and debt. That's what they saw. Premiership rugby clubs. This isn't Premiership rugby. Premiership, Premiership rugby clubs. Okay, clubs. which is same yeah. difference. You know, they all are, uh, uh, Premier rugby. Now, the reason the French TV deal is so important is because with their extra money, they can afford to go and buy players. So they will be looking over here and thinking, yeah, we'll have him, 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 and him. Now, you're not talking about the international, so don't worry, Owen Farrell's not going anywhere. Not that he plays in the, it, plays in the Premiership, but still. The people that will get targeted are the club players, those mid, mid, mid to high-ranking club players, like Sam James or Mark Atkinson's. Or... Good for them. Great. Terrible for the league, though. So because they can't, so because the league can't compete on, at that level, you're going to get a polarised league where they probably can keep the internationals, because part of that bill, wage bill, is met by the union, and the rest of it is going to be a sort of a, basically a lesser, a lesser product with academy lads. Well, I kind of disagree because I think the it's playing out where I think clubs have cottoned on to the point it's not worth having loads of internationals. So I, I don't think no, that is how it will play out. No, that's exactly how, how it will because it's not worth having those in, those internationals. But if you've got two guys on two hundred k, right? So two hundred uh, one is an international, one is not. To match the the internationals, to match the non-internationals money against a, a French club, you might need to pay them an extra hundred k. So that's three hundred k on your salary cap. Now the international, say you, I don't know, just make up an international who's on two hundred k, he will stay in the country if he is going to get England cash, and the reason he will do so is well because of it, because because of um, England money. Now the club could say, okay, we want to keep you. We'll give you an extra fifty k as, as a bit more of a sweetener. My guess is they'll be paying more on internationals who they see less of, impacting the. Well, more for them if they do that. But, but they can't compete for those other guys. But they don't. But but by the same token, if players want to stay because they have to stay to play for England, they don't have to pay them as much. Okay, but if they're successful to play for England, they don't play for their club. Well, they well. So this or, season or, they don't play at yeah. all. In a normal season, you'll miss about a third of the games, right? Yeah, about a third, something yeah. like that. So you're paying more of your salary cap because the the wage pressure from France is forcing wages up. As it does that, the only way you can make up that difference is to appeal to the national team. The national team do not pay you that England money 
because they pay for the players twice, don't they? Match fees yeah. and then also to the club. They don't pay that for free. Okay. They, they they pay it to get access to the player so that you can then, well, you can then effectively yeah. buy other players. Any smart agent will say, well, we can see you're getting those getting that, those cash payments. Please, can you put it back onto our player's salary? Which invariably they do. So when you've got the 200k player with no national affiliation, you need to match that salary in France. Now, this is the guy who would be playing all through the internationals, the heartbeat of, of your team. Your senior non-international player, those are the guys that are going to go. And that is why it's so serious. Well, the, the, there's two limiting factors. So I, I agree in principle, but there's two limiting factors from the French side. Yeah. France obviously operates a salary cap. Yeah. That, that's gone down this year as well, pandemic-induced induced reduction. It's not gone down as much as um, the English Premier League, but it's still reduced. Um, similarly, France have a... Quota system. Quota system, yep, the JIFF system. Do. Which and and it's been going the um, quantity of French players or academy trained players that's an important yeah. distinction um, has been increasing year on year. Lots in of South African schoolboys being farmed well, in from the age that's, of sixteen. That's one of the unintended consequences of that. Since two thousand ten, France introducing their quota system is all of the academies, all of the clubs now have academies in either South Africa or Fiji or both. Yeah. So, so that that will limit the pr- the yeah. upwards pressure on wages of, of English players because only so many of them can possibly yeah. leave. So the other argument against what I'm saying, right, would be okay. So you want to go come and get Sam James, who was on a good whack here, but Sale can't afford to keep him because he's not got the England cash coming in. And yeah. He's not not a marquee. So Sam James looks over at France, but France as a league has a lot more nationalities than. The, then, then, then the English League. Sorry, I'm getting really bugged up with uh, hay fever or, or something. Long COVID. Yeah, long COVID. Um, well, yeah. So Sam James might be looking at a senior position in the squad here, but because of all the South Africans and Australians and New Zealanders and whatnot, he might actually be looking at a, a fringe position over there. So he might be he might be on more money, but on a more fringe a more fringe contract if that makes sense yep. that might not be as uh, as attractive to that player uh, also you know there's a language barrier you know not everyone want, every, not every, not everyone want, wants to move but my fear is the premiership teams will start to look a lot more like the pro 14 teams Ospreys have got world class players about five of them I don't, I, I, I don't see that happening because there are 12 or 13 teams whereas in the other countries in the UK and Ireland there are maximum of four and um, and that has a big that has a big effect because when you take away international players from four teams, that's a huge that's a huge percentage of the squad. Whereas, yeah. you, whereas you take away international players from twelve or thirteen teams, it's a much lower number. And so and so yeah, the other limiting factor on top of what Phil said is that English players have to go out and compete, as you just said, with every other player on the globe. Yeah, yeah, and that is that is a big problem. I mean, my solution to this would be get rid of the exceptional circumstances rule. If France have got loads of cash to pay, I'd yeah. rather them be paying a, a one and a half million quid to Maratoji, taking that off their salary cap. So, you know, so Joel Kapoku and Nick Azikwe can get loads of game time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm all all for France spending their hard-earned TV money on on England stars. I think which, which is the same argument that. Uh, Wales should celebrate having bigger and Sheedy and Priestland exactly right. and everyone else playing in in the English yeah, league, rather than trying to which, spend their own money, which is which is a scarce resource. 
yeah. on, on now, the, the the bit that I dis because I I totally get the argument. The bit that I dislike is in England get access to the, to anyone who, well to all of their players because they all play in England yeah. uh, for the two weeks before any major international tournament. They get the the rest weeks that are proper rest weeks. Yeah, um, and if you go to France, you wouldn't have that. Like the the great one would be, and it's far less important because he's playing for Italy. But Sergio Parisse used to put in amazing performances for Stade Francais would then play two games for Italy in the Six Nations, get absolutely battered by the Ireland and Wales pack, still play amazingly, mm. then go back and play for Stade Francais, then go back to play for Italy, then back to Stade Francais, and just, you won't end up getting the best out of all your players if they're having to do that. Yeah, so I completely agree with that. And my solution to this would be, look, you, the writing is on the wall here. The club game is 100% the future. People don't want to admit it, but it is. And this TV deal kind of pro- pro- proves it to me. And the further the problem with this TV deal is it is to a certain degree dealing in, in a zero-sum game. Talent not in the Premiership because it's in France is going to affect the, affect the Premiership. So you do mm-hmm. have price pressure. Now, you know, that is like a dial. And if it's low down, the, the pressure doesn't matter so much. As you turn it up and up and up, it matters more and more and more. Fine. Um, that said, the RFU is still the world's richest and biggest union. Even in tough times, it is the richest and biggest union. So if I was the RFU right now, I think I would come to the table and the card I'd play is, look, we all need, as unions, to save the international game to get, if, if that's what, I mean, that's what they want to do. I'm not that bothered about it. Um, to get access to our players, we need a common set of laws to make sure you don't get more advantage as a Welsh player in Wales than you do as a Welsh player playing in France or playing in Scotland or playing elsewhere. And same for the English guys. So if you are uh, Baptiste Saran and you want to play for Leicester, you can still get released for the French so rather, the French national team. So you would extend the release window. So it's rather than just being purely the fixtures weekends, which it currently yeah. is, to being the full period plus a week or so before. Yeah, which like, which would effectively after. get rid of the having to play in your own country. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that'd be better because the talent can go wherever it is to get paid. The writing's on the wall. If these, if the French team, well, the French TV deal will attract more talent, which will make it a, make it a better product, which again will attract more money. It's no, but, but, but you, but you also, be. at the same time, you're bemoaning... Uh, uh, a broadcast, a broadcast deal achieved in England, when actually these names and these faces, which are household names, which of which rugby does not have many at all in the UK, there's not many people. If you went to a high street anywhere in England and held out uh, a bunch of England players, the vast majority of people would not be able to name a single one. No, uh, yeah, I get that. They know Owen Farrell. They know Maratoji. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even. Well, yes, no yeah. Yeah. Some, some people would. Some people would. Uh, but do you not think the Premiership fans get shortchanged anyway? If you really enjoyed watching England and Saracens were you know, still in the league, then you turn on Saracens and you don't recognise any of these guys, you'd feel well shortchanged. Well, this, year's, this year's an exceptional okay, George Ford. set of circumstances. I mean, no one's seen George Ford play yeah, in the time. This circle. season more so. Yeah, it's still, it's the, still a third of the time missing, isn't it? The, the other problem that that would occur because this this is law of unintended consequences the the other problem for extending that release window to be a mandatory release for say the whole of the six nations rather than just purely the five game weeks is you're effectively devaluing every player who plays international for the for the club teams which has happened it's happened explicitly this year for england players but for example if um the south all the south africans who play in england and france say if they are unavailable 
to their English and French teams for a wider period around the rugby championship and uh, summer tours and everything else, then they are worth only two thirds what they would otherwise be. Yes. And, th- and that, so if it's a South African, for example, South African rugby union might not be able to um, bridge the gap between what the pay, you know, was paid and what he will now be worth. Yeah. So you're creating a, well, it's only good, yeah, a and, devaluation and will, of yeah, and players so globally. England, England would be able to um, compensate their players that, that, that gap, whereas Fiji would happen what has sort of unofficially happened with a lot of Fijian players who they go to French clubs... Oh, they just retire, and it's uh, they've retired from international rugby. Yeah, well, I mean, which which you imagine was was a was a, exactly a, an intrinsic part of their deal. But you know, do you want to say that that that, that, press, pre, that price pressure is is on a dial? Well, that dial has turned up high enough to have that effect on on, on the Fijians. It was turned up high enough to make uh, Carl Heyman turn his back back on the All Blacks. So it, it this is only going to increase come to, the, to come to the Premiership initially. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Newcastle because it wasn't always France that had all the dollar. England, no, it Eng- was originally it was, and that's another England. annoying part. England had the march on France for you know, the start of professionalism. We had the higher contracts, and we let that slip. And France has built, built, built. And by the way, it's not. I'm not knocking France. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Well, Fr- France is very different in the sense that a lot of the French stadiums are paid for by local councils. Yeah, it's yeah. a very, like Bell. it's a very different setup. <laughs> Um, you have yeah, you have private individual, uh, very independently wealthy private individuals involved, and you have councils involved. Yeah, and you have um, I don't know what the actual participation and and viewing audience is in France, but I would imagine, I imagine based on the numbers, it's larger. I don't know. I imagine yeah. the, that I imagine the club game. I think there'd be fewer people playing, but I, that's that's maybe me. Yeah, and, and certainly there are more stadiums that I can think of in France that are. Rammed with twenty five, thirty thousand people every single home game than yeah, in England. I mean, even everything you say is true, Tim. Uh, but the problem you face is going forward, more money in the front French league means bigger deals, bigger, uh, bigger deal. Sorry, oh, bigger deals for players. The better the players, yeah. the bigger the deals. Oh, the totally. Deals. I, and it's, I, it's I agree. I totally agree with everything to, you've to, said. To the death spiral. I, I, I totally agree with what you said. The bit I don't agree with is using the French deal as a stick to beat anyone in England with. Why? I, I don't understand why. Because saying France got a deal, therefore Premiership Rugby should have got a better deal and you're, it's a failure that you haven't. If, no, there, was no one, if there was no one, else to, bi- the if there was no one else to bid, then the you can't deal. get more money. Okay, so there's two things you'll... Yeah. I'm not saying the deal should be bigger than the French deal. I'm not saying that. Never said that. Or bigger than it was. Yes, I am saying you should have a got an increase. I think that's inexcusable. You can only get an increase if you Two. if if the if you expand the what's the product that's being offered. That's not that's not true. Or you can get an increase or, just with inflation. No way. Or if you if you change the product, yeah. so you're buying something different. Or if there's multiple people, or which, simply, which drives the price up, or simply just inflation. You don't yeah, get something for nothing. Yeah, you do. It's like, buy, it's like buying a house going, well, hold on, money's worth inflation, inflation since last year, so I, w- I want to pay a bit. That's literally what happens in, mo- in, in most pay-, pay negotiations. But then this this is an exceptional year, right? which which is why I, this is I, I, I'm happy. So this, I'm, well, and this is why happy, I'm, not, I'm not happy with the deal, because if they say, oh, it's an exceptional year, then the France go out and get an 18 or 17% yeah, pay Because rates. there was more people bidding for it, clearly. So, But that's only... The, the, the people haven't done it out of the goodness issue. of their heart. It's not the same broadcaster going, oh, do you know what? We'll pay you a bit more. Yeah. Pay you 17% more. Now, yeah, but this is a periphery issue because the bigger issue 
by a country mile is the fact that the CVC deal's been signed. So your deal, which was exactly the same as the last one, I mean, if they said, look, it's one of those things, we, we, we got it wrong, and the TV money is going to be static for three years. I go, yeah, all right. You get it wrong. You get it wrong occasionally. But you compound that mistake with the CVC deal originally, which is with the original mistake, and you're losing 27% of your central income to go over to CVC. That is, it's the compounding of, of, of errors. One I, can, one I can get. If you sign the C, and if you sign the CVC deal with the explicit intent, intent as we were all told, that they're going to increase the TV money every year. You can't then turn around to me and say, oh yeah, we got this horribly wrong and there weren't enough bidders. Sorry guys, we'll just take our 27%. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's nice what you say, but it doesn't chime with what they said when they signed the deal. The CVC deal. In, in my mind, it's it's a pandemic. But it's that's, not for France, though. I know, but I don't know what's at play. Can, can you tell me what is at play in France that's led to it being different? It's a better product, isn't it? Is it simply, simply I, that? Is, it's, be, it's better it? and it's a better product. It's, uh, you know... It, I, it I mean, I, I, I watch... Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it is. Because I, I watch, I, I don't at the moment because it's mean, not showing in the UK said, anywhere. But uh, you know, it's not as if, the, and also it's not as if the Premiership is not a sorry, maybe it's not the product. It's certainly better promoted. I mean, it has to. It be. Might, well, there again, is, I, I don't also, know. If we don't know, that's an assumption. If isn't we don't it? know, and we're three guys doing a podcast in, in a basement. I kind of think that's almost acceptable. If you're running Premiership Rugby, and you and you don't know the answer to, to this, and the only thing you can tell me is a pandemic. And then the league, which looks most like you across the channel, gets gets an increase. That's not acceptable. If they said, "Well, the things that are in play here are, you know, the things which you've just asked me," then you just asked me the killer question: What is the difference? And I just say, "Oh, pandemic." Well, there's a pandemic that pandemic across the globe. So that's not an acceptable answer. Now, if if the answer no, is, no, 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 the question I'm asking is, what's different? Yeah, why why is why is France different? Well, that's that. That that'd be for so. Well, so I'll tell you what might be different. Sky, as a company, took a decision a little while ago that they're going to focus more on their original programming of of crime thrillers and comedies and dramas rather than sport. That's actually one of the big consequences for that's that, that commercial decision by a broad a major UK broadcaster. Yeah will have had a knock-on effect for lots of sports. Yeah, so you're saying the CBC deal, deal was wrong then because they completely misjudged the market. They didn't know what they were talking about when... Okay. When, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When, when they signed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a chicken a, and egg bit. Yeah, it's a there. horrendous, horrendous decision. So the CBC deal led to people com- coming, in, coming into rugby who said they knew what they were doing. They clearly do not know what, what they're doing. They've, they've given us bad, bad excuses. Those excuses could be true in isolation, but you put the France deal in, in, um, in, into the picture. Equally, and it looks I, I would imagine. Much worse. I would imagine that the CB that, that people at Premiership clubs would say, and at CVC would say, you don't look, you don't judge this on a three-year uh, turn of results. This is a this is a long-term process. The, all all the da- and yeah. I buy that as well, but all the data so far is yeah is not good. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I agree with that. Right, I agree right, with that. This, I, I, well, actually, I certainly hope that CVC weren't in this for a uh, two three years. Bump it up, sell it on. I, I I'd hope that they're That's in this for a long term yeah. investment. I mean, I, the reason CVC can't put more money in, into rugby is because they have a hurdle rate. So every every pound that they put in, they need to get a certain amount out. It's a dead simple 
equation. What, what was the summarize in in a couple of in in, in a, a couple of sentences? What, what was the uh, legacy of CBC and F one? Um, depends who you ask, but it's massive. Co- it was a massive uh, reduction in central revenue because obviously they gave money up front to the owners, and also we've got to remember F one was owned by one person. It was his. It was his to sell. Yeah. No. Right. Um, yeah. And also F one. I've thought about this. F one is not really repeatable. Like, there's not really another Ferrari out there. There's not really other. What happened in F one though? I don't know. Yeah. So then after they've had after they had enough, they repackaged it and sent it, sent it over to Liberty Media. But again, they didn't for run... a, for a profit. Yeah, but it would be big, their... big profit. Yeah, but it'd be their profit. It isn't F one's profit, is it? So but, if I've got one third of your business, right? Oh no, no, I understand. No, yeah, yeah. I understand so that. there's two. Understand that. Yeah, yeah, it, but, but there's two so, things. So they sold it. Actually, on... it, it wasn't a lot. It, it, it was a profit. It's not a huge. Job. But the, they, they sold it okay. on for a profit. But what happened? Because the bit that we're interested in, we're not really interested in whether CVC make money. We're interested in whether clubs' revenues go up so that they can um, grow the game and they can create a better product. Well, really, that will be linked to the chicken and egg. But there is a better product. That's what we care about. Yeah, the answer did, is did the TV did deal. I don't know the exact numbers. I know that they made they, they sold sold to Liberty Media for more money. Yeah, but I'm not sure in the interim how much it went up by. Yeah, you'd assume if they're selling it for more money, yeah. then the TV revenues have gone up. But like F1 has got no peer competition whatsoever. I mean, there's a couple of other open racing, open wheel racing series, but it's just not it's not analogous. It's, I don't know. It's Whereas, more like it's more like the Champions League kind of. Yeah, it, like you know, rugby, you can go watch football. I mean, there's nothing really. You can, you know, it's just not. It's not quite as analogous as. as, as anyway, rugby. so it's. I, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's incredibly gloomy, and um, the French r- rugby deal has really put this into perspective um, for me for lots of reasons. Registered players was one of the things in England and France. Registered male players in England. I think England's uh, got the biggest 100,000? Uh, according to this... Is it 70? No, hang on. This is total total registered males. Does that mean children? So this, is that this, like mini rugby as this well? This counts, yeah. Oh, this that'd be a quarter of a million. Uh, th- four, uh, half a million. So, uh, Well, I can give you senior males, actually. Okay. So I'll senior go. males is the one that you were thinking about. So what? 100,000. JB, what do you say? I was going to say 70, but I'm going to reduce it to about 20. So... Senior males, according to this, which is Wikipedia, but I think it's linked to World Rugby, so 130,000 senior males, and in France it's 124,000 so wow. senior pretty, males. Pretty so it's comparable. Pretty comparable, yeah. Where, where France or England is the most, because in total they have nearly 2 million registered players. Wow. wow. Because there's half a million total registered females, uh, and a lot of kids playing the game as well. France falls down on... on both of those counts. Mm. Um, England's got four times more boys under thirteen playing the game than than France has. Uh, and oh my god! According to this, France only has thirteen thousand uh, registered female players compared to five hundred thousand uh, in England. So like a forty times. Yeah, that's forty-four or thirty-four. So, so the question, so the question, I the question I would be asking straight away, if you want to talk about growing the product, building the game, is what happens to what happens between the two million and the one hundred and the one hundred thirty thousand? What 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 happens there, and what can we do to keep them in the or in the, the game? or the two million? And who's actually watching the game? Who who is 
who's watching BT Sport. Yeah. Well, because you know, you, you'll get eight, eight million, nine million people watching Six Nations. Yeah. Um, on a weekend. But so as I pointed out, um, those are the people to target. Exactly right, Tim. You're exactly right. This, if you were a drinks brand, you'd be targeting people who drink your competition's beer, or people who could be easily turned on to beer, or in the past have drunk your beer. Yes. Yes, exactly right. You wouldn't be going after completely new markets um, and failing miserably at every turn. You Handing out leaflets that. after an AA meeting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's insane. The whole thing is absolutely insane. Oh, I don't want to talk. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> just, just one last thing. How many registered female players are there in Monaco? Oh, don't know. Five? Any advance on Five. Registered players in Monaco. Registered female, female players oh, female in Monaco. Players. Uh, okay, zero. Uh, there are two. Wow. They're going to have a pretty boring rugby game. One on one. one yeah. Wow. Well, that was a really um, short summary of the French situation. <laughs> no, no, no. G- genuinely interesting and, and one to watch. And it is, is interesting thinking how it could play out um, game theory wise um, and what the consequences are. So, mm. yeah. Tell us what you think. But well, I think um, I think that's what that's what we can do. We can delve into places other other people don't and wouldn't. Well, and they find it far too boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still listening now, well, well fair done. play. Let, <laughs> let's get back into <laughs> a bit of rugby. So you were at the AJ Bell on Friday night. Yeah, awesome. It's just nice to go back there. It's just nice to be there. I mean, yes, there's nobody there and whatnot. I. I'm still Ob- obligatory. So it's just like a normal Friday night then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's still weird. It's it's incredibly weird. I mean, I, mean, I know you're you're used to it, Tim. You know, from uh, working at, at BT Sport, but I'm still not quite there yet. Although it's nice to be able to drive in stadiums. Oh yeah, getting well, in, yeah. getting in and out is a bonus. But I'd still would much rather be sat in the traffic, um, getting in and out of the AJ Bell yeah. for, for an hour. Are you able to pick up? Uh, question to both of you because I've obviously not been to um, tour ground with no one in it. Are you able to pick up the the calls, the communication, that kind of stuff yeah, on the pitch much, yeah. much better than yeah. you otherwise would the, be? The appealing. Ah. Well. There's quite a lot at the minute, I've got to say. Yeah. That Bath-Exeter game, I noticed a lot of appealing going on. Okay. There's so much in this game. I mean, there's it's, it's 31-16 was, was a result. Uh, I don't think it was a fair reflection of how both teams performed. Uh, Sale had some really good moments, just quickly on them. Um, I did. I did not know that buying World Cla- World Cup winners improved your team significantly. Apparently, that's true. <laughs> it does it absolutely? I mean, I think we've got enough evidence now to say World Cup winners are good players. Lou Diago looks good, doesn't he? Crikey, he looks good. Yeah, like it's not just the you know running through people, which he does, or the catching lineups, which he does. Like charging down kicks seems to be quite a speciality of it. And all, all with a, an oversized baby-faced assassin as well. Yeah, yeah. With, with quite slopey shoulders. But he's enormous. So uh, he played... Who was his opposite man who had a torrid time? Fuser. Yeah. He played actually very well to, um, in in this game. Newcastle... Uh, it, it does look like they got an absolute beatdown and it could have gone either way. It was in the balance, uh, particularly after Newcastle got their try. Uh, I thought that Newcastle could at any point come back into it because they're such a tough team and they're so well organised. You don't see it on TV because you fo- you're more ball focused. When you're seeing them in real life, you see there's a lot of communication. They organise their attack quite well. They're just wh- whoever's running them 
uh, and what other things that they do in that organization they all seem to do a very very good mm. good, good job because they're not flashy but they're well drilled particularly yeah. in the pack well drilled and drilled antique tough like you said they really yeah. are they they really are um Mullen yard is like a different player that's an interesting point his line for the try from the fast half the clerk cut out pass was awesome he timed it he kind of knew it was on and timed it absolutely to perfection faff obviously hits him and then he just glides down mm. the uh, the touchline you know in marvel movies where the, the classic trope in in sort of superhero type movies is uh, the bad guy or or one or one opponent um, like absorbs the power of another uh, and then takes their power yes. and has it and then they can use it like highlander it's yeah a little bit like highlander it's a little bit like that i reckon with denny solomona and marlon yard <laughs> ah. They're never, they're never great at the same time. No, they're not, are they? One good, the other one good. Yeah, never together. Yeah, you know, one larger than the other, and one slims down, and the other one, you know, gets <laughs> gets on the previous one's diet, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Marlon Yard looks, uh, and the things he's good at are completely at odds with the things that you think Marlon Yard is good at. Namely, kick chase. Uh, his kick chase and his enthusiasm to work on the park has increased massively, and that's I think why you're going to see Byron McGuigan and Marlon Yard more on the wings because. I mean, particularly in Byron's case, he is a incredibly hard worker. That mm. is his um, that is his mo. Still, a few questions on Marlon's defence, I think. But um, yeah, you know, they are suited to what Sanderson, Sanderson, want, uh, Sanderson wants to do. Here is a factoid for you, which is going to blow your mind. Go on. Did I tell you this on the WhatsApp group? Who was the fastest man in in, in the Premiership? Resummit. Yeah, Lewis Resummit. I mean, I would say he is up there. I heard a fact today from Inside Sale, which will blow your mind. They recorded the fastest ever guy at Sale doing um, the, doing sprints, and they managed it by metres per... Metres per second. Meters per, now, is this a common measure? So though? this is max speed, then? Max speed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a common output of the GPS system that they use. So it's not a common... It wouldn't be a uh, common normal measure, but because of the way that they track so it's the max all the players in momentary the speed they can achieve, they might not be able to hold it for very yes. long. They might take them a while to get to that point. Yeah, it, it's top speed. So we, you know, you'll have seen um, Usain Bolt running at I think it's nearly thirty miles an hour when he's at his peak. Now so his you'd have to convert that to meters second. Is ten point four meters a second? Yeah. So anything above ten is very good. I'm not. So I'm not going to say the number because. If it's wrong, I'm going to sound like an absolute moron. I've had it confirmed now by two players, and I'm only cons- my only conclusion to this is it is a, a testing error. Like it's just it just can't it can't be true. Uh, so I will tell you the speed off off air. Uh, also, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Well, no, you, you, you can speed. tell it. But the, fa- the fastest player, of course, did, the fastest did, player. Did, ever they, had did they say to you? Uh, did they say to you off the record? Like, no, they didn't. But I still don't want to say it. Just, okay, that's you know, fine. Just, just that's in fine. case, just you know, it could be okay. confidential. Fair enough. Information. I'm, you know, so. Uh, but the fastest guy there by some distance is Aaron Reed, and if you believe his meters per second, his peak time was equivalent to what someone would be running in a hundred meters final in the Olympics. Now the difference is, of course, it takes him time to get to that peak time. Yeah, and it, he can't just necessarily sustain yeah. it. So it's not. A, I'm not saying he'd be in a hundred meter final. I'm saying he is that fast at top end. It is that sort of what, range. What was it? What's the figure that you heard? I'm not. You can you can take it out if it's. 
Oh, go on. It'll probably end up on uh, on oh. on Strava fails. <laughs> anyway, I will text it to the group now, and then you go wow. <laughs> Get my phone out. Ooh. So you... that, cause I'm just so I, I've just while you've been chatting, I've just looked up. Oh uh, yeah, so that that's not I, that doesn't sound unreasonable. If anything, it so it also doesn't sound like the fastest in the Premiership ever. It's, well, it's the fastest in, in sale, sale by a long distance. Because I'm sure I've heard that Ashton, who obviously was at sale for a mm. period of time, was doing something close to that. Yeah, Ashton's going well. to be very, very, very quick. fast. So, um, for I'll give you, well, I'll give you an example. Um, Usain Bolt's top ever recorded speed is 20% faster than that. Is it really? Yeah. But his average speed is 10.4. For for his world record breaking attempt, yeah. His average, yeah. But I I assume that... Yeah, so his top top is is 20% faster than that. Uh, Wow. Wow! That's That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway, just thought I'd give you that little that, that, that <laughs> nice. And also, there's another thing, isn't there? Reese Zammett is still the fastest because he can apply that speed to a rugby field. Yeah, and that that's is key. the critical difference. And that, that's why someone like, um, well, Shane Williams or Christian Wade, for example, might not necessarily have the highest top speed, but they have the relevant speed because yeah. their acceleration, or Jason Robinson is another great one, their acceleration is so good that their top speed becomes irrelevant. Except for one time when Shane Williams was. Clear in for the line and Topsy Ojo hunted him down with ease. Did so he have the angle on him? No, well? just straight sprint. Just... Topsy Ojo was so much faster. Yeah. yeah. And, and also in rugby, it's very, it's quite rare. That was one of those occasions, but it's quite rare where the speed is applied in a straight line, which is yeah. again what makes yeah. Shane Williams and mate, you know, Santiago Cordero and his younger brother, and guys, yeah. guys like that, make them so outrageous. Yeah. And also, foot speed isn't the same as top speed. Being able to go around people. Uh, Marcus Smith, did you see some, some of his foot, footwork today? Yeah. yeah. Crikey. We're just selling dummies with his eyes and, yeah, he's... Different, le- de- different level. Yeah. Different level. He, yeah, he yeah. is. It might be worth going on to that game because that was an incredible... Just quick shout for AJ again, just being... Oh, the, that oh offload. yeah. That offload, outrageous. AJ's, no. AJ's such an important player. Yeah. Yeah, like if you think Andrew Kitchen's from, if you think Andrew Kitchen's a, a nice boy, you've, that's because you've not met AJ. Yet. <laughs> um, Saints Quins. Oh, yeah. sorry, one last thing. Okay, before we talk about the future England, uh, future England ten, it's only fair that you talk about the future England nine. Rafi Quirk played again. Quirk, 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 Quirk. Trust me, uh, 50, fifty cap England international here. Rafter Quirk. Rafter Quirk. Rafter Quirk. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is. Honestly, <laughs> I like that. We should, good. That's good. That's <laughs> so good. I, I saw it on Twitter. Not claiming. It's I, sale I've already used yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. So, not, yeah. not that creative. I like that a lot. Yeah. So if if he's partnering partnering Marcus Smith, England have got. They're going to win everything. Yeah. It's Put it on the whiteboard. So to be a fifty yeah. to be a fifty cap England score half, you've got to be able to have a great game. One in ten. Is it? Can he have? Yes. A, can he have a brilliant game? One in ten. Tell you what, he did perfectly. Right. And uh, it was perfect. One of his passes hit. Hold on. Um, the Dupree, who's not related. Yeah, the second row Dupree. Yeah, the, the, Dupree. the one who actually JP. plays second row. Yes. JP Dupree. It hit him um, at the absolute height of his reach. 
Oh wow! So he's six nine yeah. and jumping. Tallest player in the Premiership, or around about there, and with six foot nine wingspan, presumably. Mm. So he passed it about ten foot in the air. Well, all I'm saying is that's a very precise pass. Yeah, I mean, if you get that an inch, and you know, Ben Youngs has been trying to do that that kind of pass for a long time and failing. Yeah, miserably. failing. He keeps throwing it into touch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. It was it was hell of a pass. This kid's brilliant. I mean, I feel sorry for anyone who's a reserve uh, scrum half at Sale <coughs> because getting that bench spot now is going to be ferocious. It's going to be Rafi Quirk. Quirk. pushing Faf now for as long as you... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see him see him overtake Faf. Not yet. Faf is captain th- this week. Yeah, but, that won't mm. happen. What what they'd rather do is let, let's let's take the half a million quid back off uh, yeah. Faf and spend it elsewhere in the Faf side. goes to France. Yeah. We'll give AJ a bit of a pay rise and we'll... By some other people. In. I, I do th- I'm not sure there is a lower paid ten who is that good in the Premiership. I'd love to know. I don't know. What, well, I don't this, know what he's paid. This would be a, a great thing to graph to graph the um, fantasy rugby draft points output compared to salary. Salary. Yeah. So points per so pound. You could, you could have it on a, a x and y axis, so you could plot the ones who are the top of both in the top right hand corner are very high point scorer, Nick, but also very expensive. Nick David would be. The He'd be most value per most points per pound. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being a Leicester Tigers fan and knowing what you spend on George Ford, knowing how much that that costs you, and you, and you never see the guy. Yeah. And then knowing you could get AJ AJ for well, if you if you paid him the same money, he'd be worth more. Yeah, because his output, <laughs> yes. his output is because he plays because when because when you pay George Ford, you also have to pay both Juan Diaz Bonilla and. Zach Henry and, and, Mike, and Ford. Mike Ford and, yeah well yeah Mike Ford. because you need at least two people to cover the fact that he's not there a lot of the time yeah yes. whereas Sale can focus more on Rob Dupree only and uh, AJ yeah but anyway then, yeah one of those Dupree boys would be um, very high up one side of the graph <laughs> yeah just one of them just one uh, of them maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay um, what were we talking North, about Northampton Saints Northampton Saints yeah which Mar- wasn't Marcus uh, Smith ridiculous what a great game what a great first half and then the second half was just... The second half, I felt like Northampton got in this routine where they were chasing the game, but but they didn't want to go to the strategy that made them successful or score a try in the first half, which was spreading it wide, nice offloading. And they just went to this boring one-out rugby, which they, didn't suit them. They are a strange old team, Northampton. And I'm, I'm interested to see you say, what a great game, because it was... It was like super rugby. That the first, first half, half was look, crackers. The way I look at it, right, is styles make matchups. So I'm more than happy to see two grapplers roll around on, on roll around on the floor, or two strikers who are not interested in protecting their chin. And I felt that both these teams were those two fighters, which they just wanted to get get hit in the face over and over again. And that's why and that's why it worked. I mean, you are you are 100 percent right. The defense sort of did look a bit bit optional, but it also yeah, allowed for much of that first yeah. half. It was well, like the Quinns guys when they're able to express themselves. Don Brandt, I thought, had a really good game at times, in a very Don Brandt way, like big flashy highlights. Yeah, and then maybe not necessarily doing the right stuff at the right time around yeah. the breakdown. Marcus Smith, like Marcus Smith, before. is outrageous. Just running about, he runs at half speed. It's just great. He's just awesome. Uh, the the guy who does play at full speed, I feel all the time. Guess who I'm going to mention again? Esther Hazen. No, Esther Hazen. Love him. Absolutely love him. I thought he had a fairly quiet game in this. He he's good, but it was all about Marcus. It's all about Marcus Smith. Mm. Mike Brown played well. Danny Kerr played well. 
Tom James from the Saints, I, I like. His intelligent support lines are great. Yeah. Because he, he kind of identifies where there's likely to be a break and he, he runs that slightly lazy but intelligent support He's line. Three tries in two games now. Yeah. Not bad for a nine. Um fancy rugby draft him. Mm, someone's mm. got him. Um I felt watching this game they were quite evenly matched apart from the one big difference, which we've mentioned. Marcus Smith. Mm, if yeah. Marcus Smith was wearing a Saints shirt, Saints, Saints would have won by 10 points. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Totally, totally agree. I didn't think about it in that context, but you're absolutely right. Well, I looked. What's happened to James Grayson? I don't know. I don't know. He must be injured. Must be. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he is. Well, Furbank's not your starting 10, is he? Well, obviously. Well, no, uh, big, but, bigger is. But, yeah, bigger is. No, no, but, but what I mean is, even if... Well, I think he might be now. Well, yeah, but Furbank's are starting 15, isn't he? So if you've got well, someone else to push him back to 15... They're, they're like Toby Freeman. So, yeah, Toby Freeman has played... Oh, Tommy best, Freeman, sorry. Yeah, he didn't have his best game today, but he's playing well. Yeah, he's that's interesting. Player. And actually, I think... Um, I do think Furbank plays, plays well at 10. It seems to be... He mm, feels a little bit more... He, he, there was mm. tiny... I was watching him closely because he was playing for me in Fantasy Rugby Draft against him. Yeah, but, I, was, um, I was glad to see him have a quiet game. He... So, a couple of years ago, I had really big hopes for, for Furbank as England's next 15. Mm. He was um, breaking the line, coming into the line intelligently, solid under the high ball, beating the always beating the first defender. That Mike Brown thing where you, he always knew how to beat the first defender and then his options were open. And he's just not... He's not been doing it for the last 12, 18 months. And... In this game at 10, there were n- numerous times where he gets the ball in broken field and you, you're you like, right, beat the first man and then it's on. Yeah. And he'd step and then just get hauled down by the first man multiple times. And it, He's a talented player, but it's just, for whatever reason, it's not clicking for him in either position, whether he's first receiver or whether he's in the backfield. It's not working for him so at the I've moment. So I felt he's been more effective. So I, I agree with you there. I don't think I think his development stalled a bit at fullback. And moving him to ten, I think has had a mind you. He has lost two games there. Back to back two. Yeah. It, but, if, if it was Marcus Smith playing ten for Saints, yeah. they would have comfortably won. But but uh, if Bigger was playing, it would have been a much closer in, game. How I, I I've lost again in fancy fancy rugby draft. <laughs> yeah, afraid so, mate. Uh, I just had a look, and uh, well, short of the points being updated, I've snuck. I thought I was going to lose that one. Phil, uh, Phil yeah. had all his back three players to play today. I know you were six points ahead. Six it was Marchant versus my whole back three. March had a good one. March had a good one, and my back three did nothing. Yeah. I, I negative points. Rob Miller got thirty three points. Miller. Rob bloody Miller, and. Well, top try scorer. That, that, made, that made me feel old when Rob Miller, when he scored his try, was described as the veteran Rob Miller. <laughs> <laughs> How old? Thirty? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I, well, yeah, he has lost two games. But no, but like, Northampton fans, let us know: is James oh. Grayson injured? Because I, I want to know that because not just because he's in my fantasy rugby draft squad, <laughs> but more because he was the heir apparent. He was the safe pair of hands when Bigger was away, but he seems to be out of form and favour. Can I talk about a different uh, player who was always destined for England but never made it? And seems to be, seems to be on a run of form, a sunny run of games. Nick Autorak's back. Yes. Looking massive. Again, more massive than before. I mean, he looked massive when he went from... When he, so what's his... He went from Saracens to Bath. Did he start at Bath to Quinns. Bath to Quinns. Didn't do anything at Quinns. Third choice at Northampton. And so, uh, Dave Flatman talks about this all the time. 
how hard it is in your second season as a prop because people work you out. Obviously, the technicalities and stuff are there for everyone to see. And it would appear this happened to Autorak pretty quickly. He's, you know, an unusual looking fella, great hair, uh, good good build, and he stood out. Yeah, like a Max Laheef type build. Yeah, like big, muscular, not fat. So then he has a second season, and he just sort of falls off a cliff. And all the show pony stuff which he's doing at Bath isn't seems not to be appreciated at all places at Quinns. Ends up in Northampton, but he's had two games back to back, and the Saints scrum has looked better. Yeah, he struggled a couple of times early on in this game, but overall much better than than previously. Mm. And the, the Quinns, I mean. The Quinn's front row of uh, Wukolo, Marler and Baldwin. That's pretty good. That's a legit front row. Yeah. I mean, Quinn's front row has been legit for years, but kind of failed to perform for years, but it is now performing. Yeah, well, I don't want to be the guy who um, talks too much about betting, but I did put a bet on this. <laughs> Another bet? Yeah. Uh, ten, Quinn's to win by between 11 and 20 points. Ooh. Yeah, nice. Um and the reason I did it is I just looked through the teams like, yeah, they're better in the front row. They're si- they're about evenly matched in the second row. And I just went through all the positions to see where I thought they were stronger. And I thought halfbacks in front row, Quinn's had yeah. it quite comfortably. And those are important positions. North- Northampton showed no control. Uh, partic- they're wild. Particularly in that second half. It was oh, that's just the, the worst thing of that second half. Because you're right, right across the second half. The worst thing was there's two minutes, maybe three minutes left on the clock. Yeah. Um, Northampton know, ev- well, if they get a try, they get two bonus points. They get a losing bonus point and four tries. They get a scrum left-hand side of the field. They've got a planned move, and it goes nine to Hutchinson. Um, oh, Furbank's yeah. looping round. <laughs> yeah. And Hutchinson, instead of actually going to the planned move with the, I think it was um, Collins on the blind side wing, so everyone's looping round, he just kicks it into the corner. And were, it, were there... Um, 76 minutes on the clock, and they were winning by 10 points. Genius. It would have been great because he beautifully scores, kicks it into the corner. But from that, Harlequins get the ball back, and that's basically the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, it was it was a crazy decision. It's a kind of macro and micro rugby going on here. You look at some of the mistakes that... And, uh, well, and uh, just, sorry, so, sorry, yeah, c- because this will exactly lead on to what you're going to say. Um, I've got some feedback. Yeah, Northampton did last week, 100% confirmed, they did uh, take a scrum when Tom Dom was asking for it instead of taking the yeah, yeah. points that, that would have... Yes, they did. No. Yes. Did they really? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, they did. So, Brilliant. sorry, continue, because I think yeah. that will probably be so, back um, up your point. Micro Micro Rugby, uh, if you look at the things which they got wrong, like there was a chance when they were pounding towards the Quinn's line with two guys in the bin, and they somehow managed to turn it over. And you think, like, do Exeter turn over the ball in the opposition five, five metre? No, because I focused on those little details, which Ooh. is the ruck. The ruck is the game plan. But the Northampton game plan is something completely different. They've got this big picture idea of what they want to do. And I think they do it fairly successfully, whilst simultaneously forgetting the details of, well, go win that ruck, go win that Or, uh, how many points have we got and how long's left in the game? And how, how many did you get for kicking sticks? <laughs> yeah, yeah they the, are... North, Northampton frustrated me because they... I said it before, but when the pressure came on, they, they kind of narrowed off their game plan. And they, they did end up getting turned over or coughing the ball multiple times. But they've got talented... Backs, and they've got t- talented handling skills. They should have trusted what got yeah. them any, into that position in the first any place. Any coach that tells you skills, 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 offload skills, 
Go and have a look at Northampton. Loads of skills. More skills than you can wave a stick at. But they lost line-out ball. They, they lost rucks. They lost things which require zero skill. Although Marcus Smith did say afterwards that the thing they've been working on most is upskilling up, up, up up their, up their players, it's including a, it's forwards. It's a trendy thing to say. Offloads, range of passing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and it's important. It's all important, right? So if you've got your line-out nailed, by all means, go and, go and play games with, with the ball. But if you've not got your line-out yeah. nailed, like... Um, Northampton didn't yeah. or you're more nailed why can't you or you can't, you don't know how many minutes there are left how many points you get or, for, yeah. <laughs> for a score and how many points you are behind or you're counting yeah you're counting yeah, exactly <laughs> the, 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 the big picture stuff is great it's yeah. the uh, yeah it's the little details and it, you know that's why you need to learn to rock Irish Leicester we've not mentioned uh, we mentioned the Hepatima yeah. and him chewing gum uh, didn't mention the game yeah but... the important stuff uh, I, I didn't realise that... Um, Leicester had this one, like you say, and an Irish pushed them close at the end. I had no idea that happened. I yeah. honestly, So I, I saw this score with 14, a 14-point 14 different score to this. Because, well, yeah, it happened in the last minute. So it was a one-point win for Leicester um, yeah, because of two tries in the last minute. And Irish went for it, um, went for the kick to the yeah. corner... So they, they and they got the, themselves the two bonus points. Yes, so Irish could have taken the three. They did know their numbers and their arithmetic. Yeah, they could have taken the three, which would have given them one losing bonus point, but they were on three tries. They went for the corner with only 14 men and secured the other. So they are in fifth place with four wins. Yeah. The team ahead of them, Sale, have got double the amount of wins wins that they have. Double the amount of wins. And it looks like it's made up mostly by bonus points because they're going out and they're losing. Or drawing. They love, they love a draw. They've got four draws. They've drawn as many as they've won and as many as they've lost. Is that a uh, draw, really? Huh? I think so. Have Is that not... They've drawn two. Played, win, drawn, lost. D, D is draw, right? Before I look like an idiot. Uh, so the, the, the table that I've got in front of me has them on 12, played 12, won four, lost six, drawn two. So the table I've got in front of me says... Played four, drawn four, lost four. So it might be giving them draw for COVID cancelled games and that. Ah, yeah. There you go. Ultimate rugby. If you've got the table wrong, I can I can accept some things wrong in ultimate rugby. I can't accept that. Oh, hang on. So we would know, wouldn't we? How many? So Northampton had two games called off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they've got two draws. Yes, so they Northampton do. don't have two draws. But, well, did, but, but did Northampton play against a team who had a party in a university hall of residence, or did they were they the people having a party in a university hall of mm, residence? That is that is exactly a, a great shout. Also, if it's a draw, it's not attributed to the points as a draw. So this table's mi- mi- misleading. That that table is oh well done. Fan- oh, I'm not fancy rugby. Bod, so. sort it out. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'm, I'm on the official uh, Premier Rugby table, uh, and yeah. it is yeah London Irish. They have drawn two. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to propose we we shift focus on six nations into the midweek pod where we're answering fielding some Q&A questions we can I think so. push that forward because this has been a marathon it has, it has. and that's, that's what we do there's so much there's so much rugby to talk about and we we we, lo- we love talking about it it's a marathon but we've been sprinting at 10.4 meters per second for the whole of this <gasps> marathon you mentioned the number <laughs> Uh, oh wow! Ooh. Oh dear! You're, You're in trouble now, JB. Oh well, 
Oh, okay. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, JB might be strung up on the next podcast uh, by his knackers um, at the Carrington Training Ground. Uh, hopefully, he'll be here for it. Um, and hopefully, you will be as well. If you hit subscribe in your feed, uh, if you find him at JB, more me at Cocker, uh, us at Rugby Podcast, Phil Durkin in your DMs. And we're on YouTube as well, where JB and myself, and maybe, Phil, would you maybe, maybe. Uh, pitch in? Maybe if I get um, if I get the right topic, yeah, if the move strikes, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see Phil there as well. But we are uh, egg chasers on YouTube. Go and hit subscribe there as well. Uh, Yeah, let boys play. There you go. Done. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.